Welcome to Crit Apocalypse episode 179. We're here, we're awake, we're ready, get used to it. Ant, how you doing? Alright, on to the news. Sony bought Bethesda. That's interesting, isn't it? They bought the people that made... They didn't buy Bethesda. No, no, sorry, they're, they're Bungie. Bungie. Well Good, Bungie. nailed it. The other company bought Bungie. <laughs> like two years ago, almost. Yeah, I know. So, yeah, so uh, they bought Bungie, but it's not going to change anything. Destiny's still going to be released on every platform, and people are still going to play it. Um, I can see why they did it, because Destiny's a fucking massive cash cow. It's really interesting, though, because Bungie got sold. Microsoft sold Bungie. Oh, no, so Activision sold Bungie a few years ago mm. for only 200 mil. And this deal went through for like six something, six point nine or three point nine or something like that. I don't know, man. Freaking eh. People love Destiny. Video games. People love Destiny. Do they? I don't, but no. people do. We didn't talk about Xbox got Destiny's Child. <gasps> don't go chasing waterfalls. Yeah, they're better. It's TLC. They're better. Um. I don't want no scrubs. A scrub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Again, still TLC. Yeah, I know. I'm saying TLC are better. Yeah, everyone knows TLC yeah. better. Mm. Maybe feel a Lopez, freaking legend. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, you can you can cut your hair if he says so. You You can buy all the makeup the man can make, but if you can't look inside you. Find out who for what to. Wait, you're the shrimp on Mars singer. Who's <laughs> me all along? The person who only does the free TLC songs I have that no he idea knows. What no, I don't people on Mars singer. What I'm surprised I remember free TLC songs to some degree. Uh, um, I might listen to some TLC after this. Your mum might listen to some TLC. Our after TLC this. are great. Um, but yeah, so. Um, so yeah, so like companies are buying other companies, except for one company, Nintendo don't give a fuck. No, of course not. Because <laughs> I'm going to keep giving them my money. Because <laughs> I bought Switch OLED, didn't I? <laughs> Microsoft still haven't bought me. No, that's true, they still haven't paid you out. I offered. I mean, yeah, yeah, jump on board. 10k, it's all I want. £10,000. And then what will you do, though, for the 10 Pay off all my debts. No, but I mean, what would you do to earn the 10k? Nothing. <laughs> Which is a lot more than most of the CEOs a, of Activision It's do. a fraction of what they paid Ninja, and he got that money and didn't even have to do anything. Mixer went downhill before he even needed to fulfill his contract. Yeah. Um, oh, God. I'm, I can't get TLC out of my head now. I fucking love TLC. All right, should we go straight to the reviews, or is there anything you want to chat about? What shit's going on in your life, man? Yeah. yeah. Nothing. What? what? <laughs> You might be getting a new. You, you might be getting a raise at work. Maybe if I murder enough people. I mean, that's the way the the royals do it, isn't it? Yeah. Murder your way to the top. Yeah. And fuck your cousins. You see the, the um, the the British. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. There's like family people getting really angry about Camilla might be called Queen. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Let her be called Queen. Who yeah, who cares? <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Oh, dies the real queen. I'll tell you what, here's the secret, guys. Ladies and gentlemen of the world, here's a secret. If you're listening to this and you're angry about that, you can change your first name to queen. Right? Or king. And then you can change your second name to your current name. And you can be king fucktard. Or king cunty McFaceFuck. Right? It doesn't matter. It does, It's just a fucking word. And for these people, they're going to be insurmountably rich. 
off of our money, regardless of what we do. Yeah, but they really like the Princess Diana, who got divorced and thus, you know, removed herself from the royal family on purpose. But they don't like Meghan Markle, who got married and then removed herself from the royal family because she didn't like what happens with the paparazzi and how they treated her. Which it turns out is really bad. In particular, there is one person who's obsessed with her, who was so obsessed with her, he refused to apologise when he lied on fucking British breakfast TV. We're talking to you, Piers Morgan, or Piss Morgan, as your name may be. What a cunt that guy is. Yeah, I might push him downstairs one day. I made an off-handed joke about the dead zone and killing the Prime Minister, and I get worried that someone is listening to my phone calls. I've just repeated the connection here mm. on this podcast, so that's some, that's some evidence if ever it happens. Sweet. <laughs> anyway, Ant, that's all the news. You got anything else you want to talk about? You want to talk about anything else? No, I didn't want to talk about anything ever. No? You don't want to talk about Dancing on Ice? No. No, you don't want to talk about the Best Picture nominations for the Oscars? Well, there isn't any. Yeah, they've just announced them. No, they haven't. Uh... The Oscars happened, didn't it? No, 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 not this year. What? Yeah, it happened in, like, February, didn't it? Okay. No, uh, wait, oh, no, sorry, people are, people are putting out their Oscar predictions. I do uh... apologise. Oh, well, Best Picture's Hereditary. Not Hereditary. <laughs> Malignant. <laughs> the Best Picture's a film from 2016? Yeah. 2018? Fuck it. Why not? Yeah, fuck it, right, why not? Um, okay, on to the reviews. I'm going to go first. They should week. do that. It should have best picture, but it should just be what the best film is ever. No, and every year be Transformers a movie. They should do, like, best picture, but it's, like, best picture of the screener you didn't actually watch from years prior. Mm. And they'll be like, oh, we all watched Hereditary and found it was pretty good. Yeah. Isn't it surprising? When the girl leans out the window of the car. <laughs> Isn't it surprising that, like, they receive DVDs instead of Blu-rays? And not even like a digital file. Like, anything's better than a DVD at this point. No, they give them DVDs for a good reason. Because if it gets leaked and pirated on the internet, no fucker's going to download a DVD version. Oh, that's true as well, yeah. It's going to be harder to find. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, fuck this, I want a HD version. <laughs> I'll wait for it to come out. Um, yeah. It's weird. It's a weird process. Send it to them on VHS. <laughs> HD video? You remember those? 1080p video? Betamax? What? Betamax, send them a beta or a VCD, VCD, or a laser disc, or a pictograph. Do you remember pictographs? And cave paintings and cave paintings. You could do that, yeah. and they'll probably still vote for the picture with white people in it. Mm. Or Green Book, wasn't that a good movie? Did should you like Green Book? Best song. Should have won best song. Mm. <laughs> Italiano pizza bar. <laughs> Oh, Morrissey's a racist twat. Um, all right, so uh, I'm going to review something first, and then you're going to review something, and then I'll review something again, and we'll do that until we reach the end of the podcast, I guess. Yeah, sure, whatever. We wasted seven minutes so far. We didn't waste seven minutes. We had a nice little chat. We spoke about some things. Did we? Yeah, Bethesda getting bought by Sony. Well done. First time wasn't on purpose, that time was. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like when we talk about Star Wars, and I say that I, I don't really care about Star Wars because I don't like the Borg, and you get really upset with me. Why do you hate the Swedish? <laughs> I love ABBA. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, our f- uh, my first review, I should say. Uh, and I did something silly. Did you? Yeah. Really? That's unexpected. Yeah, I bought a Switch OLED. Yeah, no. Is I that going to just... Freaking... No, no, no. I'm going to talk about something else. Oh. So it's a misdirect. Be careful, right? Watch, watch the hands. I'm a showman. I'm a showman, right? You got, you got to watch out. So uh, I bought a Switch OLED, and then I watched all four of the Scream films. Now I'm going to talk about the four Scream films. 
Have you Scream 4, didn't I, the other week? I think you did. I think you did, but I watched Scream... I didn't think, no, maybe I didn't review Scream 4, but I watched it. Okay. And it was really good. Yeah. I like yeah. Scream 4. It's my favourite sequel, actually, probably. I'm going to disagree with that, but I'm going to talk about the films now. <laughs> so, I rewatched Scream 1, 2, 3, and 4 in preparation to go see Scream 5. And then... My friend, who I was going to go see Scream 5 with, got sick. So I didn't go. So I'm going to go see it, hopefully this week, and maybe review it for the next episode. But for now, I'm going to talk about the first four films in the series. The quadrilogy. Pardon? Why are you talking about four? Because I'm going to talk about it in relation to the other three. You said you're talking about the first four films. Uh, (laughs) Oh! You, sir. You, sir, should be doing this professionally. You should be... (laughs) Why are you trimming your nose hair while we record the podcast? Like it's the needs most doing. <laughs> needs doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like recording a it's, <laughs> it's like recording a podcast with someone's dad. <laughs> it's like, can you focus? No, I just quickly trimming the old nails. Yeah. So scream one through four. Scream is the story of Sydney Prescott, whose mum is murdered. She well, she's she's suicides. In, in quotation marks. Alright. But, uh, but there's some mystery surrounding it. So her and her father are trying to recover from that tragedy. And, you know, just as they seem to be getting some sort of ground and they still seem to be returning to normalcy, um, a killer arrives in, in, um, in town and starts killing people. Oh, sweet. We and deserved it. they all seem to be people connected to Sydney. Oh. Well, I think people are aware of the screen films and, more that the plot isn't really what matters. It's more that they're a meta commentary on slasher movies of the eighties and nineties and how they'd grown stale and needed revitalizing in some way. So it was Wes Craven's second attempt at it as well after New Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah, the the slasher movie thing that he popularized. So anyway, so Scream, um, despite Anne interrupting there, Scream is Scream is a meta commentary on slasher films. Particularly films of the seventies and eighties, when it was quite a popular, popular well, type of movie. How they got stale? Yeah, they got stale by there being a, you know too many produced and often on a budget without any real any real production value behind them. Yeah. Um, and Scream, yeah, it's it's very much commentary on those films, but it's it, it whilst also being a commentary, it's one of the genre's finest through in, incredible production design, fantastic casting. And just all round a brilliant piece of movie making. Oh. I um I have a lot of praise for Scream One. And I can see why, you know, it's such a popular series of films based you know, for the most part, on that that original movie. Um because the others don't really stand up in the same way as that first film. Uh but but um but one of the things that I, I didn't remember it being quite so quite so vivid was the gore. That first movie's fucking gory. Yeah, a lot of blood. Everyone has a bit of blood. It really goes for it. Yeah, if you stab someone, they bleed a lot. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. But it, it goes for it. But also... It depends where you hit them. Obviously. There's a particular performance in it, and I'm guessing that you know who I'm going to talk about. Matthew Lillard is incredible in that first Scream film. Oh, yeah. I don't think... Shaggy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people um, like put a lot of praise on him for that film. But he's fucking incredible. There's an end scene where Sydney has called the home phone to distract the killers for a moment, and one of them puts Matthew Lillard on the phone. And Matthew Lillard is having this conversation. He's literally just coated in his own blood, bleeding out. And Sydney goes, Sydney goes, I think it's too late for you. And he goes, 
oh no and it's like you're gonna tell my mum and she goes she goes I think she's probably gonna find out and he goes she's gonna be so mad and just having this complete breakdown because mm-hmm. he's dying he's been stabbed so many times and he is just dying Doesn't and bleeding the TV out. dropped on his head yeah he sort of comes back for a, for a third act like like yeah. gets all his strength back for a brief moment and then gets TV'd on the head yeah. those things are hard to break so I doubt that that would no have I've, broken a, I've broken a oh yeah I had to use a metal pole to do one no, I just dropped one. You can, really? Yeah, you can drop to see it. Yeah, there's all the fumes come out the back of it. Oh. Breathe it in, obviously. I wonder if it's on, it's easier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, Scream 1, set, set a standard, created a, created a film series just because of the quality that was there, and it is, it's excellent. If you haven't seen Scream, I recommend people check it out. But it is very much a product of its time. They don't have mobile phones or anything like that, which we're going to get into later. Um, they do. Well, some people have cell phones in it, but they are like very basic devices that are essentially just calling. There's no texting and such. Back in the Stone Age. Back in the Stone Age, 1996. Mm. Makes me feel old. I was only eight years old when this came out. Scream 2, on the other hand. Fucking baby. <laughs> Scream 2, on the other hand, came out in 1996. 1997. Scream 2. No, Scream 1. Oh, Scream 1 was 1996. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. I was older than 14 when it came out. One second. I mean, I, I, me and Paul used to watch it. We were finishing school. It's like 90, late 97, early 98 over here. Oh, that might have been different over here. Yeah, it was 96 in America. Don't believe you for a second. Yeah, 1996. Such film. a fucking fibber. Yeah, and then and Scream 2 came out the year after. Now, Scream 2, for me, was my first the first Scream film that I saw. Well, that was uh, stupid. Because it was on VHS in my parents' house when I was young. You know, the first one. I got hold of it. Um, I fucking love Scream 2. It is a real guilty pleasure, but it doesn't make a ton of sense in places. Does it have a Colkin in it? No. No, well, there you go. Uh, that's true. Uh, but Scream 2, for me, I, I actually prefer Scream 2 over Scream 1. Because it plays with the college, it, it's still got the meta commentary, it plays with the idea of like college and like, there's a lot of stuff about like college life, frat life and things like that in it. Plays with a lot of that shit. Um, it's got her from Roseanne in it. Oh, yeah, Marlene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's great. Tim Fiolafont's in it with his worst hair, I think, in any TV or film that he's appeared in. It's like all shaved to the same length all over uh. and then swept back. So he's got like, you can see how defined his hair is. And you know how like now he sweeps it to one side and has like a, that's sexy. Back then, it all just goes back. He's in like, silver fox in it nowadays. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's not sexy back then. It's mm. not hips and nips. It's not sexy. He always had trouble with hair. He did. In all his films. Well, actually, no. I think from the girl next door onwards, he had great hair. The hitman? He had no hair, mm. which can be great hair. He looked like he was wearing a wig in Die Hard 4. He did, but it was still pretty good hair. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so Scream 2. Yeah, it's uh, my guilty pleasure, and it has a great ending. Uh, it sets up a lot of characters. Do we... It should not survive these films. That's one of the things that I realised after Scream 1. Scream 1, Dewey gets proper fucked up, and he wasn't meant to survive in the original script. But because the fans liked him so much, they re-edited it so that he survived. So he's seen going out at the end. Why would you ever take David Arquette out of your David Arquette in, in Scream 2 again gets stabbed so badly that it heals some of his wounds from the first one yeah. because his limp disappears in the third film. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, Scream Two. It, it's probably going to be my favorite just for nostalgia purposes. But in terms of filmmaking, Scream One is better. But yeah, fantastic first two entries. Then we get to Scream Three, and that's where we have issues. So Scream Three becomes a meta commentary on meta commentary about remakes, reboots, 
Uh, no, sorry, not remakes, remakes, but but um, films in general. Um, so Scream, Scream Free, is based around the shooting of Stab Free, which is the in-universe Scream movies based on Sidney Prescott's life, based on the books by Gail Weathers, who's Courtney Cox Arquette in this one. Now the problem is what's her name? Courtney Cox Arquette. In this Courtney one. Cox. Courtney Cox. Not recently. No, she's. Courtney, what's she Courtney now? He's so slow. What's up? Courtney Cox. Oh, Courtney Cox. Ha <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ha! Sorry, I'm not a misogynist. Anyway, <laughs> so in this one, in this one, it's it's all about the shooting of Stab Free and people suddenly dying. So um, the consultants, which include Sidney Pros- Prescott, Dewey, and Gail Weathers, they are brought on board to consult for the film, but they are also embroiled in this murder mystery because suddenly cast members who played them are dying in the order they died and scream. It's a dog shit movie. It sounds interesting, but it's really bad. It's really difficult to watch. It can be boring at times. A lot of the kills aren't very good. They aren't very clear, and they happen off screen. There's this magical voice changer, you know, like he's got the, hello, Sydney, like that in the first two. Mm. In this one, he's got a voice changer that can mimic anyone else's voices with emotion and grammar and everything else perfectly. So he can, like, basically, he mimics Cotton Weary's voice in the beginning, who's Leif Schreiber, and he can, like, do it like, hey, I'm sorry, babe, I'm going to fucking kill you, all in Leif yeah. Schreiber's voice. And it's just like, that. no technology like that exists ever. You say that, because... Um... You're recording it. Well, no, the new Star Wars show completely AI-generated Luke Skywalker's voice. Yeah, but that was using samples that were already available. Mm. How do you know this person didn't have a massive library of Luke Skywalker's <laughs> words? In, in 1999? Yeah, they just all his films. Potentially 2000. I'm not sure when this one came out. It may have been later. Leave Schreiber. But yeah, so Scream Free, not very good. You can skip it. It doesn't really come back in any of the other films. People ignore it for the most part. Now, we go on to Scream 4. And Scream 4 is fucking great. So Scream 4 came out 10 years after the other ones in 2011. Uh, well, over 10 years after the other ones. In 2011, and it is essentially just about um, Sidney Prescott is finally dealing with the the PTSD and the aftermath of all these murderous events that have happened. She's gone back home as part of her book tour to visit her aunt and her cousin. Um, and it all goes goes nuts again. Everything kicks off, a murderer starts killing people, and it all seems to be linked again to Sidney Prescott returning to town. But it may not actually be linked to Sidney Prescott. It's at least, at least, it may not be her fault. It may be, you know, linked to other things. One of the great things about this one is they introduce a character called Kirby, who is a fan favorite now within the series. Uh, she's very smart. She's very capable. She doesn't really take shit from people, and she just, you know, swallows all... people and absorbs their powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Link. Like Link is fine. Like Link, yeah. shake, yeah. chic, shake. Um, but yeah, no, she's she's great. She's a fan favourite. She does survive this movie, despite the ending not being clear about that. Spoilers. Um, so, yeah, so she's potentially coming back in future films, which would be good, because she is a very good character. No. But yeah, Scream 4. Um, if I was going to say to anyone what, where I'd recommend them, I would recommend going Scream 1, 2, and then 4. Skip 3 altogether. Um, and that's in the order of quality for me as well. It goes 1, 2, and then 4, and then... Freaking fun. Yeah, I don't remember much of third one. No. I think I watched it twice. It's not very good. I watched it... When I was watching it, I was like, oh, I remember this happening then. And you think to yourself, oh, wait, no. No, 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 no. I don't remember much about the order of events or anything in that. I remember Lance Henriksen's in it. Lance Henriksen's in it. He's like basically the main catalyst for the whole thing going wrong. There's a whole sequence where they're trapped inside the offices for the studio. Yeah. 
with Courtney Cox and thingy and in there and just that's about all I remember from it yeah there's like a moment where they're trapped in on uh, sorry they're trapped on a set that has a revolving door case a uh, bookcase sorry um, but the problem is that the set that they are supposedly on has no area for camera crews or rigging so it's just like a house that's been built mm. but it's not like it's like removable or anything like that they do anything interesting with it the bookshelf is just like a secret passageway and it's just it's like a weird choice um, but yeah that whole scene You've got Sidney Prescott fighting the killer. And then on the other side of the bookcase, bookcase you've got Dewey and um, Gail Weathers trying all the books and trying to get through it. And you're just like, like, what's happening? And then Dewey decides to go and short out the electricity for some reason, even though that doesn't do anything. And then they just go back to hammering on the door. And it turns out there are two doors on the other side of the room that they haven't searched for. They could literally go around and just go in. It just, the whole thing's a fucking clusterfuck. It's just a bad movie. Um, but yeah, like, it's a shame, because I think if um, if the third one had been good, then this probably would have been Wes Craven's no- most solid um, horror movie trilogy. Because I like the Nightmare on Elm Street films, but the problem with the Nightmare on Elm Street films is always going to be that, like, um, the second one isn't really a Freddy Krueger movie. It's like a repurposed horror movie script with Freddy added back into it. It's more like a... There's, like, a lot of gay panic stuff in that, because the director was gay and, and because people gay people panic all the time <laughs> but yeah it's and, and that was odd like the as I said like the director was gay and he said that he wanted to put some of that in there like the whole thing about revealing your identity and it turns out the lead actor was gay as well and he thinks that some of what his mannerisms were on screen may have been some of that personality coming out because he, he came out after the film was released um, and just like like horror is really interesting because horror is like the punk rock. And you don't race. want no politics in your horror <laughs> movies. No, I like politics in horror movies. They're always political. I think that's what people forget, and that's what I mean. Like horror movies are so often like the the films that say something. People just shrug them off, but horror movies really do. They are the place where you can say stuff, and people don't always get the message. What does Freddy versus Jason say about the human condition? <laughs> it doesn't always have to be about the human condition. What about like, Jason X. Then again, it doesn't always have to be about the human condition. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, low budget horror movies, things like. Halloween like, 3 Season stuff, of the Witch. The stuff being like. Wait, what? Halloween 3 Season That's of about the commercialism. Witch. And, like, the commercialization of, like. No, it's about how you don't trust fucking shamrocks. The it's Irish about, man, it's they'll about tell you the that. evil of commercialization. The evil of Stonehenge. It is literally about the evil of commercial and commercialization. Now you don't leave young women alone with Tom Atkins. <laughs> well, yeah, no, because he'll seduce him. Hmm. He seduces a lot. Yeah, women. nothing against that. He can Look seduce him if you want. It's just you know, you he's like, "Hey, Jamie Lee Curtis, I'll give you a lift on my penis," yeah. and she's like, "I consent." He's nine hundred years old. He is. He's a handsome guy, man. You did, um, but yeah, like I, I really enjoy these films for what they are. Just I, I can't recommend enough that you skip free I haven't seen five yet once I've seen five I'll review five separately but yeah I enjoyed watching them again I even enjoyed watching pun New Nightmare's good I enjoyed watching free this time as well just as a way to sort of like I said to deal with because the film has so little cohesive tissue like even in my head like when I think about it now I'm like oh god did that happen then there Patrick Warburton's in it there's a cameo by Jane Silent Bob for some reason Patrick Warburton yeah um, hey Peter um, it's that just, guy. That yeah, guy. yeah, that guy. And it's just, it's a bit strange, but yeah. Um, he's I in give... Agents of Shield. Is he? Yeah, he's in last series. Yeah, he's in the last series, a couple of episodes. Oh, that's cool. He's like, uh, yay, Coulson. <laughs> um, he's doing a doing a Christopher Walken impression. Um, 
But yeah, hey, I, Peter. I recommend people watch it. Like, it's definitely, it's definitely a cut above a lot of horror movies out there. Um, a cut above because it's Scream. You know, uses a knife. I would put a bit more of a clock tower thing. Thank you. Thing, Thank um, I'm going to give it a Robert England. What's he fun. done to deserve this? Jack Brooks Monster Slayer. He had a power glove that made Breck and Meyer die in a video game. Yeah, we've all dreamt about doing that. Yeah. Your review, Ed? Fine, what am I supposed to review? A thing. A thing? Yeah, you just Bad watched Always Sunny. Fuck. I did watch Always Sunny. Do you want to talk about that? Fine. Season 15. Jesus, of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yep. Um, it's on Netflix now. It is. Got it the other day. Yeah. Not a year after it was on in America for once. It was only like a few months. Yeah, that makes a change, doesn't it? Yeah. Because normally it's like a whole year. Um, In this series, the gang hang around at Paddy's Pub for four episodes, and then they go to Ireland for four episodes, it's over. But Colt Meany's in it, so that's good. <laughs> a cheese mongrel. What? He's a cheese mongrel. He's a cheese, mon- he's a cheese monster. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is, I mean... Yeah... Yeah. So the first episode has them basically saying what they've been doing for the <laughs> yeah. last few years, which turns out they forced gumped their way through the co- to the pandemic and the election. Um, there's a great Lethal Weapon Seven episode, <laughs> which sees the return of Don Cheadle to the show. Fuck off now, little hoe. <laughs> what was his name? The friggin' pimp. Um, it's- What's his name? Um, something Charlie, isn't it? No. Nah. No. Nah, um, oh, Pete. Something Pete. I can't remember. No, it's Pete. It's, it's probably Pete. I can't But the pimp, he's playing Murtar at first, and then he starts playing Riggs. He's just like unnecessarily intense. He's <laughs> Murtar. I like his intense and sad yeah. Let's get him. That was great. And then you have the episode where they hire a monkey <laughs> yeah. to replace D. I like and that. They're that CGI monkey. Yeah. That's where most of the budget went there. Because that series was on the monkey. I think the CGI Cole Meany did it. In a bag. <laughs> He's a real Cole Meany. Been dragged him up the hill the whole time. He's a really good actor. He's the most important character in Star Trek. Yeah. Yes, they've got a statue to him in... Um, oh, really? Yeah, in Star Trek... Um, what was the Lower Decks? Oh, yeah. There's a bit where you see the future and they're like, no, it's totally a moment to honour our greatest, the greatest officer who ever lived and it's like O'Brien. Um... Well, no, the series is good. Like, they did four episodes in Ireland. I, I suppose that's because Max has been doing a whole bunch of stuff over here. Well, he's doing his football thing. With Watford and all that. Yeah. Sort of. Didn't get Ryan Reynolds to make a cameo. Did Ryan, does Ryan Reynolds not want a cameo in Always Sunny? Does he think he's too good for Always Sunny? Apparently they were... He's probably too handsome. Yeah. Uh, apparently they weren't far from here. They filmed some stuff in Wrexham. They were hanging out in Wrexham a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah, because Dan DeVito was in a pub and I was yeah. like, tempted to just hop on a train. Over there to go say hi to Danny DeVito. Yeah. He'd hang it. Yeah. See if he's if he wants any cheese. He boy he spends a lot of time egg. in the UK. And um, offer him an egg. Yeah, offer him an egg. Egg. Was, you, um, could you care for an egg in these trying times? I I like that there's an episode where they go like they obviously they're season fifteen now, so they've done a Simpsons and they've got the continuity of this doesn't matter. Like we don't care, and they've got like that. The episode where you see Sweet D and Dennis and how they were when they were younger, mm. and how they got the bar, and the fact that Charlie is the majority stakeholder of the business. It was it's probably best not to talk about that. In fact, maybe you just have a sandwich. Have a sandwich? Just, yeah, just they do sandwiches here. They do do good sandwiches here. But yeah. I want to just quickly go back to the money thing. Because <laughs> he's just like, yeah, all the corners I picked up and the money from here, yeah, and, and I got about fifty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, that might be enough to be an equal partner. No, no, they do the whole flashback episode. 
Yeah, like, I thought, it was, I thought it was funny. I'm glad that they just played themselves. They don't give a fuck. Hmm. Um, I like Mac being a dog shit drug dealer. It's like, you don't even have a real gun. I've got the end of a gun. It's pretty sweet, though, isn't it? Um, but but yeah. I don't think they ever mentioned how they got the pub in the in the show before. No, but they've they've like spoken about how they were when they were kids and shit like that, and like it, you know, how D D suddenly became she went from sweet D to being like this angry person. Like they've spoken about hmm. how they all were and how they were all awful kids. So I don't know why well, she banged her head. <laughs> she banged her. Head. Yeah, she does a lot. <coughs> she she gets knocked. She she gets into a lot of like dangerous. She's, I still find that fucking episode where she's trying to reenact Sex in the City with the girls, and she tries to steal those shoes. And as she's running out the store, she just face plants straight into the first <laughs> car outside, and it looks—it's such a good stunt. And I think it might have actually been her taking the plummet, but mm. it just—it you really, really fucking feel it. It's such a good hit. Um, and she gets hit by two cars and then yeah. stuck in a bog. <laughs> yeah, in this does. one, um, um, what was it in the other series where she gets stuck in an oil can? And set on fire or something? No, she's she's trying to make a video where she's like some sort of like party slut. Yeah. And she's and like Frank's like, I can help you with this. It's like, Frank, did you put real cats down in that well? It's like, yeah, I've got to motivate you. And she goes down and goes, hey, why does it smell like gasoline down here? And he throws a match in there. And then and then he goes, he goes, you've got to go into the building. I've started a small fire. And then all you do is you grab the kittens. She goes into the room and she goes, I found the box for the kids, but there's no fire. And he just goes into the door for his imagine and it suddenly goes up in flames. Um, is the yeah. end of this series the first time they've had to dispose of a body? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think so. I think it's a surprise it's taken this long for them to dispose of Well, they've got that dead dog in the alley they pretend uh, is yeah, yeah. baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my... I would <laughs> flashback where they're just like, I would never make fun of Steve. She's such a positive person. I would never make fun of her, fate, her appearance or anything. Yeah. <laughs> What size shoes do you need? Eleven. We don't carry women's alone. It's like no men's alone. He goes, oh, that's right, because you you have those feet. Okay. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite moment that just I fucking it's the only moment in this whole whole series that's made me just uh, actually no. There's one other when Charlie gets the braces at the dentist and comes out halfway and he's got the fucking metal hanging out of his mouth. That's also giving me like a horrible feeling. But when Frank eats that turd. he makes mini soup with meatballs and he goes eat one of those meatballs and he's got it in his mouth and he's chewing it it's such a long scene it's just like poking out his mouth but no he doesn't he doesn't proper chew it he goes alright it's a turd after chewing it for three or four fucking minutes Uh, I like the fact that Colmini dies off screen yeah. He's given no formality. They saw a banshee. It's yeah, not any amount true. of time. I like uh, Luther mm. Vandross is mm. Max real dad's name. It's not. No, I'm not. It's all a con because his mum doesn't like him. Yeah, they paid his mum to tell him he was <laughs> Dutch. Why don't we go to our home? Oh, yeah, the house of McDonald. Let's go. They should use her more in the show. Every now and again, she just crops up. She's like... <clears throat> I rewatched um I rewatched the uh, like a few seasons of this not long ago. Mm. And that um that lady that old lady house episode where it's like, Did your mum just burn my mum with cigarettes? I was like, Yeah, but you know, she does that to a lot of people. On purpose. And he's like, Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh it's pretty great. Uh, but yeah, I, I was surprised at I was surprised it's still got some of that magic to it. Well, they just make what they want to make. They don't know it's clear they not forced to make a certain amount of episodes every year or anything they just 
like a series comes on once every two years nowadays, and they're just like eight, ten episodes at a time. Because they did one series where there was like 20-odd episodes, didn't they? Yeah. It's like a full order, and then I think they just went, fuck that, from then on. Well, the first few seasons are like that. The first series is only like 10 episodes. Yeah, then and the then the second one's like 12. 14, 16, and then, yeah. then they do one series, which is like 20. Mm. And then after that, it's just like they went straight back to like, no, not, no, not doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they clearly just like, they've got enough control over it to do what they feel like on it. It's nice. Eight episodes. That's that's a sensible amount of episodes. I can't believe how much Danny DeVito loves doing it. Yeah. He clearly fucking loves doing it. Like, well, so he gets the blowjobs from Charlie and backstage. This is part of his contract. In Lever Weapon 7, that episode where she's like, I'm just, it's not working, honey. It's like, you want me to stick some butter up your ass? <laughs> Come on, Frank, it's for the movie. <laughs> Come on, it's just like Roman Polanski. Yeah, well, Danny DeVito's got in his contract that he gets a blowjob from each of the producers whenever oh, he wants. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they have to, have to go do that whenever he feels like. I um I still think about like the early days when I, I used to download like individual episodes that they appeared week to week. And I can still remember when I found out that they had a live recording of them doing the college tour. Because you know the Dayman episode? Mm. They were doing that live in the US across the country in colleges. And Danny DeVito, they were like, we're never going to get Danny to agree to this. So let's, let's just talk to him and see what we do. And then Danny came up to us and said... You know, I think we can actually make a go at this play. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, we're great. It's great that you said that. <laughs> that he did the nights that they were doing the college show and everything. Mm. He's so game for it. Yeah, he just likes to hang out and have fun. I think, he, yeah, and I think that he understands the character of Frank. Mm. Like, so talk about how he wants to play the penguin again. Yeah, I'm just like, yeah, because I mean, he's very Frank. There's times where he basically does play the penguin yeah. as Frank. Well, uh, that one where he's um. Wait, oh, it's the girl that they hate, the girl one... Girl the Snail. Girl Snail, yeah. And he's, and he's like, trying to bang his, bang his wife's sister. He's trying to get as disgusting as possible, yeah. and he's just like... <laughs> she's not really jacking me off under the table, she's just mashing it. <laughs> and he's just like outside, like half vomiting up everything <laughs> he's eating, drinking. Just... <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's it's one of those series that hasn't really died. I was expecting it to just sort of start feeling stale, yeah. but... Like that Monkey Beer episode made me laugh so fucking much. Just because the way that they, the way that they, it, like, it starts off the monkey is like a, a significant thing. Mm. And then about two seconds after that being introduced, the monkey is off screen just throwing beers down the table. They're just talking about stuff. Mm. And it's like, who wrote purple? Purple's not a place. It's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay, all right, we'll go to the next one. Who wrote yellow? I panicked when Max said purple. <laughs> Max said purple! <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, monkey. They, they spent, must have spent loads of that monkey. Be old CGI monkey. Mm. Just its arm pokes in every now and again. Yeah. Sponks in all their mouths. Well, there's CGI in a few of the episodes of this series. Yeah. It's not just... There's a CGI truck in the last episode, because mm. I guess you can't just drive a truck up no, the Irish moors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny. They're just like, is, just like, is that a CGI? Yeah, that's a CGI truck. <laughs> I like uh, <laughs> I like when uh, they're, they're talking about the castle, and they're like, look, all castles have a history of beheadings and murders. This is 2015. That reason. <laughs> the house is telling me to kill you, D. Let me give the house your head. Yeah. <laughs> that thing, the way it builds up on that episode, where he, revealing he's got COVID. Yeah, he like, like sniffs the woman's hair yeah, and says, it doesn't smell. My hair doesn't smell? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't have COVID. Yeah, you've got a real bad fever. You're coughing a lot as well. And you've got no taste or smell. No, no, this series is really, really good series. It's um, 
Because the last was it the last one that had like episodes where Heart of the Cast weren't in most of it? Was yeah. it on before? Yeah. Where there was like that whole thing. Was it the last series? Yeah, I think it was the last, last series. Had the Super Bowl episode, which is yeah. the thing you're thinking about. Because there's a bunch of episodes where like half the cast just aren't there and all that sort of thing. Because it was them trying to just basically, I guess they were trying to fill out the order, but not. Well, they were trying to work around um, shooting schedules as well because um, yeah. Glenn Howerton had AP Bio. Yeah. Um, you had Charlie Day was doing um, was doing films and shit, wasn't he? Yeah. There was loads of stuff going on. Kate Olsen had her thing as well. Yeah, she had that sitcom that lasted yeah. one series. And then who was... Rob McElwain, he's supposed to be making he was doing the Minecraft Quest. movie. He was doing Mythic Quest yeah. at the same time as well. Yeah. Because that's not bad. That's pretty good as well. Uh, but that's Apple TV+. Plus. No, the Wrexham, the Wrexham thing is linked to Apple TV as well because I think that their documentary is being sold to Apple TV. Yeah, um, I think that's why it's it's um, going up. But like those guys are really putting a lot of time into that. It's really interesting though. Like I don't have a problem with with rich, like fucking rich weird Canadians buying fucking football teams in the UK. Enough Russian people do it. Why don't fucking let Americans do it every so often? That's just football when it's not real. <coughs> Exactly. Anyway, you're going to review something you uh, rapist. Yeah. yeah, I watched a film, man. No, you didn't. I watched. I watched. I believe you. I watched a film because yeah. uh, it's. Uh, we were talking about Oscars earlier in the episode. I watched one of the one of the films that's probably going to be nominated for some sort of Oscar. Oh. I watched the House of the Gucci. Oh, that's... the House of the Gucci. No. I'm at the Gucci. I'm at the Gucci. What? That's the accents on display here. Okay. Um, I watched The House of Gucci, which is a Ridley Scott movie about the family of the Gucci Empire, um, who were a fashion brand. They were a historic fashion brand. Who Still are. They're not actually the same Gucci now, though, that they were back in the day, which I'm going to get to. I'll explain it just a second. You're saying the Gucci is sad a little. Adam Driver plays a Gucci Come, which one? <laughs> Should I get that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the names up. So, so the very the famous people. Do you, right, name one of the Gucci's. Estrella. No, that's not Gucci. Balzac Gucci. No, because Gucci is Gucci Balzac. Bulls, yeah, Bulls. Uh, Tim. Tim Gucci. Yeah. Tim the Gucci. Quattro Formaggio. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh shit! No, that's... What's an Italian name? Are you supposed to be reviewing this? I'm trying to bring up the cast list so I can do yeah, this properly. Some professionalism, you know, freaking I'm sorry, I should have preloaded it. Alright, okay. So um alright, so Lady Gaga plays Patricia Reggiani, who falls in love with Maurizio Gucci, played by Adam Driver. Now Maurizio's father, Jeremy Irons, who plays Rodolfo Gucci, is running the Gucci company alongside his brother, Aldo Gucci, played by Al Pacino. Okay, now Maurizio, Adam Driver, is in love with Patrizia, who isn't Gucci, but she wants to join the family. Her family comes from very humble means. They are a family uh. with a business that involves trucks, truck rentals, and moving stuff. Uh, but they, you know, the Gucci family don't really like that series common. So, like, Adam Driver, fuck her and leave her. But Adam Driver falls in love with, her, love with her, marries her, has a child with her. That's scandalous. As that happens, Jeremy Irons sadly comes down with an illness. Mm. He's dying. So, I'm a pass of the Gucci name, the you. And Adam Driver's like, I think I've got the Gucci name. And then, um, and then Lady Gaga's like, oh, you forgot to sign your name on the shares. We have to pay billions of dollars to get the Gucci shares. And then Adam Driver's like, I don't know what we are going to do. And then Lady Gaga 
says to the lawyer in the room, she's like, she's like, give us a week to think about this. And he's like, okay, I'll give you a week. And then she comes back, she's like, I got the, the signature. He was, he did sign it. She, he's like, oh, suspicious, but I don't care. So they take the, they take the shares. They get all the money from the death of Jeremy Irons. And they basically run Gucci into the ground because Adam Driver eventually falls out of love with Lady Gaga and falls in love with another lady. And he starts Played by singing, Jared Leto. Played by... Falls in love with Sophia Loren. <laughs> That's not it. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember her name. Let me see if I can find it in the fucking plot. Does it actually matter? No. So um, eventually, eventually, Lady Gaga gets very sad. She gets very fed up. Oh. Um, she betrays Al Pacino because she gets Aldo, who is who is um, Jared Leto. She gets Aldo to sell his shares to avoid a horrible bankruptcy because he is not allowed to use the Gucci name. He's not allowed to produce merchandise and he's not making money off of those shares. So he's not linked to the business anymore because he's an idiot. The family don't like him. They seem as like the black sheep. Well, no one should like Jared Leto, really. No, I think, to be fair, he's a monster. Um, but, um, and so Al Pacino comes out of prison after getting done for tax evasion, which is Lady Gaga's plan for uh, destroying his life. He comes back and he's like, how do my son, what have you been doing with your time? And he goes, I need to sell the shares. We're out of money. Spend all the money. This is where I live now. And he's essentially living in poverty. No one's cleaning for him, so he's not really functioning. It turns out he does have HIV. Um, so that's that's later revealed. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, he's just broken. So he ends up selling his father's shares in the company of Gucci, even though they are the Gucci family. They this lose is just the whole plot. Yeah, um, why turns the whole plot? And then Lady Gaga hires a hitman to take out Adam Driver. But this is after Adam Driver has been indicted. Just sum this up with it's about the you know it's about how the Gucci family mismanaged their own company and essentially acted like gangsters. Well, at least Lady Gaga acted like a gangster once she was no longer getting her way. She was heartbroken. She was. I could have just said that at the beginning. Well, yeah, she's heartbroken and she is very, very driven. And she sees it as her right to the Gucci name, even though she married into it. She sees it as her right to be part of the Gucci empire. But Lady Gaga's like. 20 odd years after all this sorry Lady Gaga's character oh, oh. Um, so a lot has been said about this film a lot of, about how it's boring it's overly long the most interesting aspects aren't focused on um, and Jared Leto does a hate crime and it's right all of that is correct but there are some very interesting aspects to it I mean the problem with the romance aspect of it is that there is uh, 10 minutes spent on them well not 10 minutes 5 minutes spent on watching um, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga fuck in an office sweet it doesn't really do anything for the plot it's not really tantalising or sexual because they're both fully clothed oh, he essentially just hoists her up on a table and pulls his little wanger out and then puts it in her but you don't see any of that apparently he doesn't have a little wanger does he not does he have a huge one yeah apparently you've got Bruce apparently Willis pretty, pretty he is very monstrous. tall uh, anyway, from what and he's got Hollywood money, so he can make it bigger, even if it is. Yeah, Frankencock. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's such a weird movie because, like, like I said, they focus on the parts that are interesting very briefly, and the rest is filled with these like weird, like Selma Hayek's in this film. Sweet, she plays a psychic on TV oh. that that Lady Gaga is calling to get advice about her life. And eventually she hires full-time after Adam Driver leaves her and, and, and is paying, like, upkeep and stuff like that. And she's the one who convinces Lady Gaga to, to kill her husband. And they all get oh. arrested at the end. But it's just... it's Mostly it's just a very sad movie about sad people doing awful things. And Aldo is a hate crime to Italian people. You like 
people doing awful things to each other. I do sometimes, yeah, but this isn't entertaining. Oh. It's not like it's not like these people are like witty or anything. They just all flounder about. And that's even more evident by the ending when it's like Adam Driver's like, I told you the company's not gonna be profitable for five years. It's like no, someone told you the company's not going to be profitable for five years. That's now ten years because you've spent all this money on your philandering with this lady and buying apartments and, and clothes and watches and all this other stuff. And he spent millions of the company's assets on this stuff. Maybe it's Lady Gaga. I mean, Not on Lady Gaga, on himself and his new bug, oh. who is not Lady Gaga. Oh, you see, I spent millions on Lady Gaga. She seems all right. Yeah. Mostly. Seems like a decent... I think Lady Gaga's probably... Yeah. She's very attractive. Um, but yeah, like a normal person. But yeah, like, all in all, it's just, it's so boring. And it's such a shame that it's boring, because there's really interesting aspects to this story. Like Aldo, the character played by Jared Leto, if it was actually played by a competent actor, could have been one of the more interesting aspects of it. Hey, because... Jared Leto is a chameleon. <laughs> uh, an absolute chameleon in his roles. <laughs> um, but he, his character in real life died of AIDS in London in 1996, completely destitute. Like, he ran through the money. His father soon died afterwards of rectal cancer. Did you not try selling some of his Gucci bags? He probably got free. <laughs> That's another one of the more interesting aspects of the film. So there is a moment... Didn't I have a Gucci thing? There is, there is a moment in this film where they're talking about um, about the fact that they're selling... Like, there are cheap knockoff Gucci bags being sold. Mm. And it turns out that Gucci are actually controlling the, the, the production of those bags. They just have a, sh- a cheap factory that makes them... And they have no quality standards. So essentially these bags will fall apart. They won't be as good as the stuff that's quality checked by Gucci. But they make a lot of money selling their fake, or fake, the cheaper shit, and making money that way. Like millions of pounds worth of profit. And Lady Gaga's like, the name of Gucci means something. And Adam Driver rightly says, it's my name. It's not your name. Like, why does it mean something to you? It should just be money to you. But she's like really buying into this whole... Family. She really likes Gucci's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, House of Gucci, I mean, I can't really recommend it, because it is, so much of it is shit. So much of it is shit. And Jared Leto is so fucking dog shit in it. Like, he literally comes out like, hey, it's a me, Pablo. Ooh. All of Ridley Scott's films recently have just been about old rich people being dicks to each other. The Last Jewel's not about that. What? Is it? It's Last Jewel's about and um, drive rapes all of it. It's about a kill. bunch of rich people who run a king, a car. They, they they have a castle. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I haven't watched. And it then yet. there's the one with with um, Kevin Spacey played by Christopher Plummer. Oh, all the money in the world. Yeah, that was Ridley Scott. Yeah. Ah, never yeah. watched it. All his films were about rich people dicking each other over. Oh, really? Yeah. He did Kingdom of Heaven, didn't he? Yeah, years ago. That was a long time ago. 2015, wasn't it? No, longer ago than that. that. Longer than that? Yeah, it's it must like be 2005. Like yeah, yeah. Geez. It's got Orlando Bloom in it, and no one's put Orlando Bloom in anything for years. When's mm. Orlando Bloom going to be in some prestige TV drama? Do you remember when, a man, um, when he was in um, The Milkman, where he drank so much milk he had super strong bones, he became a boxer? That's the calcium kid. That was it! That was it! The Milkmen. The Milkmen. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Do you not know your Orlando Bloom films? Such as Elizabeth Town, the Pirates of the Caribbean. I like Elizabeth Town. He's in four of the Pirates of the Caribbean films. I like Elizabeth Town. He's in five of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, isn't he? No, he wasn't in the fourth one. He wasn't the fifth one at the end, was he? Yeah. It's in the fifth one quite a bit. Wait, is there a sixth one of those? No. 
sixth one's supposed to be getting made. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, isn't it? Yeah. I'm just having a quick look. Um, he did The Martian, which wasn't bad. He did Alien Covenant. Isn't The Martian a Ridley Scott film? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, the Ridley Scott films. Yeah. Oh, not Orlando Bloom, sorry. Yeah, The no. Martian wasn't bad. Alien Covenant wasn't bad. All the Money in the World never watched. Uh, Last Jewel, I'm going to watch at some point. Um, and House of Gucci. House of... House of the Gucci! Why are you doing racist Italian accents? Because that's how Paolo does it in the, oh. in the film. That's how Jared Leto How's does it. Chris Pratt going to do an Italian accent in... It's a me! Mario Brothers, an Pratt. equally prestigious film. I don't believe in LGBTQ rights because my church tells me not to. <laughs> that's the Dracula. No, that's Dracula mixed in. He's yeah. playing both. Is he? Yeah, he's going to get double G's. Yeah. Apparently the reason that he's taking so much voice work is because he's an anti-vaxxer. Well, he gets to do all his voice work from home then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing it because it's cheap and he doesn't have to get vaccinated. Yeah. Even though Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, get vaccinated, you fucking dumb cunt. Yeah. I like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Like, more and more as he gets older, and he becomes more and more like a weird... Well, I don't want to hear Dolph Lundgren on, on the whole thing, because that would be fucking hilarious. That would be fucking hilarious, wouldn't it? He's a scientist, a, a biochemist. Comes yeah. Well, what about Dexter Holland, who fired the drummer from The Offspring because he wouldn't get jabbed? Dexter Holland, like, is a biochemist. Like, bio, he, he's got a PhD in yeah. biology, and he wrote his thesis on viruses, and he's, he's actually worked on developing vaccines. Like... Yeah, so Dexter Dexter Holland from The Offspring. To be fair. He's smarter than Chris Pratt. Who knows who the drummer is from The Offspring? Well, it was Ron Welty for a long time. Um, There's also Greg Kay on bass. From touring, they used to use Josh Freese, who was a a sort of work-for-hire drummer that a lot of bands use because he's freaking incredible. He's also in Perfect Circle. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, I don't know who the drummer was at the time, at this time. It was someone else. That they hide, but he's booted now. They they just change drummers. Drummers don't matter. This freaking you've seen Spinal Tap. You can yeah, get through yeah. drummers as much as possible. Sometimes they just spontaneously combust, and you know you just got to deal with that. Oh, uh, House of the Gucci, House of Gucci. I'm gonna give it. Um, you know what? I'm gonna change my worst review to be Jared Leto. Adam Sandler's had it hard enough. He his new film looks all right. Oh, right. Adam Sandler is now second from the bottom. Jared Leto is the worst possible review I can give something. Um, what's that new film he's doing? It's about some... Is it basketball? I can't remember. Oh, the one where I he's he's, um, he's managing a basketball kid. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's really into his basketball, so it could be good. I mean, considering that he actually got some Oscar buzz for um, for that Uncut Gems film. Yeah, but he got Oscar buzz for friggin'... Rain Over Me. No, no. Not... <laughs> My kids died at nine eleven. I play rock band. That was that was rain over me, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah, I'm uh, oh, sorry. I'm gonna give this. Um, I'm gonna give this a Andy Dick. It's not the worst thing. He's in an episode of Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Is he? Yeah. Well, he's not the worst person you could be trapped in a room with, but he's pretty close. Uh Rob Schneider or uh, Jared Leto. Rob Schneider, because you're definitely going to get a disease, because he's yeah. an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Jared Leto, because he's going to fuck you in the bum. Hmm. But only if you're under the age of 16. Oh. So you got to hope you don't get that colon transplant out that you need so desperately. The what? Colon transplant. Colon. Colon transplant. Your review, Ant. Why would I need a colon transplant? Because you've torn yours with years of abuse. That's where you keep your change. you got to train it. I freaking... Don't just jump straight. <laughs> How to train your colon? The new DreamWorks series. <laughs> right, your review. Am I just getting to my second review now? Nearly an hour, an hour yeah. in. Yeah. 
Right, Agents of Shield season seven. It finished. Agents of Shield finished in two thousand twenty. <laughs> I just got round to it. I had all of lockdown and twenty twenty and twenty twenty one to watch this, and I didn't. Um, but I finally got around to it. Um, Agents of Shield long gave up trying to actually tie into the Marvel universe, which was the best thing for it. It just went off the rails and just yeah. did whatever they feel like because they've been interdimensional. They've been to the future for a whole series where the Earth was destroyed and all this sort of stuff. They've done all sorts. In this series, um, they're trying to fix history. Someone's been messing with history, the Chronocrons, the robot guys. That Time were Night. The Chronocrons. They were like, you know, there was that. Um, there was that one Chronicon that was helping him out. The whole yeah, he turned series, up and yeah. he took Fitz to the past. Yeah, yeah, and they did all sorts of stuff. And put him to so sleep so they wake up in the future. Yeah, um, maybe put him in space for a bit. Yeah. Um, but no, they, 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 they've basically been travelling through history and they're, tra- they're following the Chronicon. So the Chronicons have been travelling. It's easy to travel forward in time, apparently. Like, you use a lot of energy to travel back in time, but from then on it's simple to jump forward in time, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they're chasing the Chronicons through time. So every week the Chronicons are in a different era, mostly. And they like, you know, they just land there and go, they've got to figure out what they're up to. We've got to stop them. And they don't really stop them that often because the series would be over very quickly if they did. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really good fun. They bring back, um, do you remember D'Souza from um, Agent Carter? They like pick him up. He was the guy with the limp in Agent Carter. Oh, he had, yeah, yeah. Where he had limp, he had the wooden leg. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they pick him up and he becomes like a part of the team for the oh. series, which is quite cool. Because um, it gives him a little bit of a closure thing, a little bit of a sign-off, you yeah. know, find out what happens to him. Wasn't he Bradley Whitford? No. He's not that old. He's some young bloke. But um, no, they, they did all sorts. It's quite fun. They had episodes that were themed around certain things. Like There's one episode that's like a film noir thing where it's all black and white. It's like a crime mm-hmm. crime thriller noir thing. And the whole episode's just like Agent Coulson narrating the events and leading up to a big old double-cross type situation and all this. Um, there's the eighties one that's like basically chopping mall with robots going around murdering everyone. That, that episode's fantastic. Um, it's just like leans really hard and like it's basically Mac and Deke get left behind. The there's like these two episodes. One episode where Mac and Deke is like a year of them being left behind and they're dealing with the robot things and slaughterhouse and all this mm. slaughtering them in the cat base and all that. And uh, Mac's dealing with some trauma from what happened in the previous episode. But then the next episode is like the um, the ship that they're on is like starting to leap forward in time fast yeah and they do this whole and so they pick up Mac and Deke at the end like literally on the next drop Mm. they do and so all of Mac and Deke's episode happens in the time it took them to do one jump in the next episode and the next episode is them being stuck in some sort of time tunnel where they're basically constantly jumping forward in time really quickly and they haven't got long to like deal with the situation time's looping around and okay it's a bit of a Groundhog Day thing, yeah. but um, it's a fun. But like, basically, Daisy and Coulson were in. They, they explain it away as oh, because we're in some sort of futuristic like chamber thing. We got protected from the time loop, so we remember what's happening. But every time Daisy dies, she forgets. So just start over again. Figures out she's in the time loop pretty quickly. Yeah, and there's a whole thing where every time the light loop resets, they're getting closer and closer to this time vortex thing. So it's like it starts off it's like, oh, we're 94 kilometres away from him and now we're like 60 kilometres away and all that. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of a fun episode where it's just like every time loop's only a couple of minutes. So it goes by really quickly and they set up lots of gags and jokes and like, you know, figuring out how to solve stuff and someone on board's killing them whenever they try to deal with something because it turns out someone's been programmed to do certain oh, no. things. <gasps> um, but it's like this running gag because basically they, Enoch, the um, Chronicon has been programmed to stop 
something being done with Simmons. She's got a thing in place to help save the whole plan and save the world, and part of it involves if anyone tries to interfere with it, Enoch has to kill him. And it leads to this time loop thing where they keep getting the gang together to try and stop him, and he just beats the sh- beats the shit out of them each time. Just cuts to them lying in a pile on the floor, and like what, a whole bunch of them are dead, and all this just over and over again. And there's a whole running gag about how Daisy doesn't always remember to wake up the agent um, Sim, um, Coulson. Yeah. So, like, as far as he's aware, they've only done this, like, 87 times. But he has no idea how many times she's just, like, not woken him up because she might have died or something. So, like, that's another pressure to it. But it's, it's a good fun time loop episode. I like that one. But um, the whole last half of the series all stays in 1983 because that's where all the big scenarios kick off and yeah you know and then it all just ties back to the end and they save the world and they rejoin their original timeline which i assume isn't the one the like the oh, interdimensional weirdness happened in because it's all the last three series were really weird that just yeah. like the final stuff couldn't possibly have happened um but yeah it was, it's just good fun times agent shield was decent and people should have watched it past series one yeah, series one was ropey it was fine it was just it was just it was trying really hard to fit in with the stuff and they you could tell they were scared to do anything too big because they had to make sure they were ready for the um winter soldier plot twist of the hydra thing so the first half of the series feels really directionless because they're waiting for that to kick off and then every now and again they'd have to reference one of the films that's coming out and eventually they just went fuck this Mm. and just started doing their own thing that's when it got better right from the hive series onwards where ward's taken over by the yeah um, i liked i liked ward being taken over being evil um i'd say that my favourite series is always going to be the Darkhold series. Well, the Ghost Rider. Well, yeah. Yeah, he's not in the last series. No, I thought not. It would be nice if they found a way to tie Ghost Rider in. Yeah, because Diego Luna is really good. Yeah. But he's expensive now, I guess. He's in, yeah. he's in a bunch of random things. He yeah, is. Yeah. He is. But yeah, like the Darkhold one, because you've got that initial mystery set up where you're like, we've got to get the Darkhold, and then it influences the LMDs. So you've got the LMD storyline on the back mm. end of it. And it's all really good. I like that they've got their own Captain America who may or may not be a super soldier, he may just be a mutant, and they deal with that as well. Well, that was the guy from Heroes, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he tries to blow up the entire world. Does he? Yeah, yeah, he goes, they have to fight eight... Um, oh, Daisy. no, 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 not that guy. That's the guy who gets affected, affected by the Gravitron stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Graviton, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the series after, yeah. or the series before. Um, the series, that, the guy that I'm talking about is the guy who, he becomes the director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> He's like a knockoff Captain America, but he's actually an inhuman. He's not a human. No. Oh, no, no, sorry. He's not an inhuman. He's like a mutant, or he's been enhanced with, like, experimental stuff, which is why he's super strong. And they're yeah. like, we can't hide. We've got to hide that. He's an inhuman. Yeah. All that stuff, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really solid, like, series. These series gets sort of, like, progressively they up the scale and the ante, and, like, the show's effects work as well is, like, some of the best on TV, and no one yeah. ever talks about that either. Like the Ghost Rider effect looked way better than it did in either of the Ghost Rider films, which yeah, had like a massive, really much solid. higher budget. I love the car that they give him. Yeah, the Dodge. In mean, this series, they had like you know all no, sorts of space stuff going like on, and it's a it's like a muscle car. Is it an Oldsmobile or is it a Dodge? Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's a big old muscle car. Was it Dodge? He didn't throw people into a dimensional portal in the boot though, like he does in um, the comic. No, he doesn't. No. Yeah. He also doesn't ride on top of it like a horse. No, you should Sometimes you, he surfs it like in Teen Wolf. Wow. Yeah. That's irresponsible. You could have your head off doing that. Yeah. If there's low low bridge or anything. Yeah. Have your head off. But yeah. no, it's a really, really fun series, this. Um, I'm surprised how little they tried to just like bring everyone back from 
previous seasons. That was something they avoided. Even though it was a time travel thing, they could have found a way to do that. But there's a couple of characters who were in... I was going to say, Gun episodes. from Angels in it for a few few episodes per season. He's in season... But he's not in this series. He's not in the last No, season. no, he's not in the last two, I don't think. Because yeah. um, he's deadlocked, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but they didn't try to do that too much. There's like a couple of characters they bring in, but it's stuff that makes sense because it's yeah. to do with Daisy and her family and all this sort of stuff. Deathlock. That's who he plays. Deadlock. No, he, de- he plays Deathlock. It's Deadlock, isn't no, it? No, it's Deathlock. D-E-T-H-L-O-C. Fucking idiot. And then Deathlock is the young version of him who That's is nonsense. like a little girl who loses an arm. That's not true. I'm and they put her into the campaign. She's like in it. Avengers Academy, the um, series where... Um, where um, Avengers Academy? What, the fucking mobile phone game? No, there's an Avengers uh, Avengers Academy comic book series where they took the younger kids that were affected by like life-altering powers that couldn't let them function in the real world. And they were all captured by Arcade, who's the... Oh, I guess a shit about Arcade. Yeah. Well, John Hannah's character was basically Arcade. Who? John Hannah in series oh, yeah, four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the basically arcade. The stuff. Yeah, he had a whole virtual world thing that he was yeah. trapping people in. That's basically what this is, but they get trapped on an island battle royale style. And oh, they're forced to kill terrible. each other. That sounds shit. But it's got like Nova's it. in it. Oh, Nova. Nova appears really... What, John C. Riley. <laughs> no, no. Um, young Nova's in it. Um, yeah. But that's a good comic, actually. If anyone's looking for a decent comic, yeah, that's a good comic. give Agent Shield a watch. It's all on, Net- it's all on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, Why not? and it's all in HD. It's all looking good. Yeah. Okay, so of course it's in HD. It's fucking 2021. The first series wasn't streaming anywhere in HD in the UK. It was a fucking nightmare trying to watch that. I just watched it on Channel 4 in HD. I just watched it on E4. It was on... Yeah. Yeah. Freaking loser. Hmm. You just watch it on TV, like a normal person does. Yeah. Everyone sits down to watch shows at the designated time when they're on. Like cowards. Just like we did in the 80s. Like cowards. Yeah. But anyway, it's good. Yeah, give it a seven. It's all finished now. You can just give it a watch. And uh, each series gets a bit... Not, and plus, as the series goes on, there's less episodes per series, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's only like 13 episodes in the last series. Yeah. I thought the whole interdimensional thing was a bit weird in the previous series. That got a bit strange. Was that the one where Coulson had a doppelganger? Yeah, it was like an uh, alternate dimension doppelganger Coulson. But, um, you know, that's fine, whatever. Gotta keep, that's keep, season six. Yeah, Gotta keep churning out those seasons. Gotta keep coming up with storylines. Gotta get more Coulsons. All right. Uh, okay, I guess my review. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, I watched two things on Netflix. I'm going to give them the same score because they're both very, very good. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just going to talk about it together. Cosmic Sin. Yeah, greatest film Cosmic ever made. Cosmic Sin, Apex. I haven't seen Apex. Um, uh, okay, so the first one is All of Us Are Dead, a zombie series. It's a Korean zombie series about a bunch of kids that are in school... Um, one of the teachers in the school, or one of the supplementary teachers, like the, the um, temp temp teachers, you know, like the exchange teachers, whatever they're fucking called. The people that fill in when a teacher's off sick. Um, his son is in the school, he gets bullied, um, and he ends up, the, the boy kills himself. So the dad, who used to be a pharmaceutical scientist, uh, brings his son back to life. Little does he know he's created a virus that is going to cause everyone to become zombies. So uh, he brings his son back to life, and his son still gets bullied. And one day, when he's getting beaten up by the kids, uh, kids after school, he uh, ends up biting one of them and spreading this zombie virus, causing everyone to become zombies. And from there, it's uh, business as usual. Bunch of survivors trying to band together to survive the outbreak. Um, one of the things that this does so much better than something like fucking Walking Dead and stuff like that is you feel the passage of time. Like they actually talk about time progressing. They talk about. Being Walking hungry. Dead set in real time. 
No, it's not. It is. Have you ever, every single episode is just like 45. It must be because they spent like, what, like, they couldn't have really spent like seven years or whatever at that prison. They must have done. Um, but yeah, like, they talk about things. There are relationships that you see advance and people admit feelings for each other because obviously they're kids. They're in a life or death situation. They're, they've got crushes on their, their schoolmates and they talk about those. Um, and some people do some really fucking dark shit like betraying people. There is a particular girl who, at one point, uses some of the viscera on one of the one of the poles to infect a boy that's been accused of being sick because he's got a scratch on his hand. And it turns out that he got scratched on a piece of equipment trying to defend everyone and get rid of someone. And she wants to kill him because he's poor and she used to pick on him in school. And she's just basically... He's, he's what they call a welfare, which is someone who's on additional income help and they think that he shouldn't be in the school because he's being like... Give him free access no, to school. The pause in there. Once you the riff raffing, it's, it's genuinely fucking awful because he's such a likable character. Like he does keep spirits up, and he's he's really happy. Even when he's in the room, he they they basically separate him by they have like a little studio, and they put him in the recording room, and they just lock the door, and he sits in there, and he's still cracking jokes with them, and he's still taking the piss and stuff, and like he's keeping the mood up, even though he's in another room. And then eventually she goes in to go and apologise to him for calling him a welfare kid. And she takes that viscera and she pretends to go and like clean his wound to clean his scratch. And she just puts the viscera on his scratch and infects him. And it's such a fucked moment because this kid is like genuinely like one of the tent poles of the group. Like he's keeping everyone. He's the best friend of the main character of the fucking series. And he gets taken out episode four. And it's really fucking sad. But then like. There are other things as well. Like there are a lot of questions with, as with any Korean or Japanese or Chinese series, when there's a virus, there's always someone who is like, there's always a villain who is somehow immune to the virus or affected by it in a different way, and there is someone on the good side who also has that power and is like a defensive, like it's like a yin and yang thing. It's like a like a, a push and pull. Like there is an alternate alternative force. Which K-pop band did the theme song for the end credits? I don't know. I don't fucking know. It's got to have a theme song on the end credits, though, right? So in this, the the disease. Oh, Basically, the um, the scientist father who lost his son has accidentally actually created what he wanted to. He's created a disease that will stop people from dying. So there are characters who get bitten by zombies who don't become zombies. Instead, they become like these immortal things that just keep going. And there's one character who's a bully who the main character is trying to retrieve a mobile phone so they can call someone. He gets he stabs the bully in the eye because the bully's trying to drag him down into this like bunch of zombies. He stabs the bully in the eye and pushes him into the zombies and the bully gets bit. Only to wake up and discover look, he can't die now. He's very, very strong, but he's not a zombie. He's like fully in control of his 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 mind and his body. Um, but he keeps getting fucked up. Like he keeps going after him and getting beaten up or like gets thrown over the roof and shit. And like every time he comes back, he's like he's proper like fucked up by the end because his body's not healing anymore. Mm. So he's like crunching his way towards people, trying to act human and like trying to lead the zombies and all this other shit. Um, don't mind me, I'm just a normal, healthy human. <laughs> don't mind me. <laughs> um, but not to, I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone because I think that the series is really good and there are some surprising deaths in it and there are like. There are surprising survivors as well. Like it, 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 there's a lot in it. It's worth watching. Um, but one of the more interesting things is the resolution to it is that those that aren't affected in the same way as the zombies. So those that go on to live forever, they they get a, they get like a they basically become like not human, not zombies, and they live in the shadows of the the town that's cordoned off because of this virus. They call themselves ramblers. 
And they literally, they survive on, like, the dead scientists that go in to fight the zombies. Like, the leftover soldiers. Like, they're eating flesh still, but they're surviving in a way that means they don't have to kill people. But, like, at the end, they see their school friends. Like, some of these ramblers see their school friends and they say, look, we can't go with you back to the camp because we're not human and they'll find out that we're infected or they'll treat us differently and maybe kill us or try to. And we may not be in control of ourselves in that time. So... I'm going to have to live out here and be away from you guys because, you know, I'm not really human anymore. And it's like this, this sad moment of like, it's almost like, um, they're using the, they're using the, the, the breakdown of their society and everything that's happening with this virus to sort of show adolescence and like how some people move away and like you lose contact with almost everyone, but you've got a very close group of friends that feel like they've survived you something. You become a zombie. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, um, there, is, there is apparently a second season planned of this because like um, like Squid Game has been very popular and lots of people watching it. Um, and I, I implore people that do like this sort of thing to go and check it out because it is really fucking gory. It's really well made. It's not like um, Sweet Home where they relied a lot on digital effects. There's a lot of like just... Sweet Home? Sweet Home, which was Home Sweet Home, the webtoon that they made into Sweet a... Sweet Home's a film from the 90s. Sweet Home Alabama, you think? No, Sweet Home is a horror film from the 90s. Oh, no, that's from the 80s, based on the, it was the from game. the 90s, it was 1993. Was it? Yeah. The one that's based on the game? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, this is... what like that. Sweet Home Early is... Early 90s. Yeah, Sweet Home is a completely different thing. It's a series. Well, I don't want to watch that. I just want to watch the film. The it's called Home Sweet Home, the original. The original version. Um... But yeah, and then the other thing I watched on Netflix, Murderville. Spider-Man films. You only review one thing. What no, are you this to is see? just my Netflix roundup. Oh my God. That's because I've got like a final thing that I do want cheating. Like, do need to review. Cheating. They're both going to get the same score. Cheating. So I watched Murderville as well, which is a series where the premise is that there is a cast and everyone else who is playing a part in a murder mystery. But Will Arnett is the head detective and has a partner who is improving their reaction to everything that happens. It's very funny for the most part. There are six episodes. There is only one episode that I didn't really enjoy, which is Sharon Stone's episode, where she's quite good at, at a couple of witty responses. She doesn't really crack jokes as much as the others, because then she's not a comedian. Um, and one of the highlights is Kumail. Doesn't Sharon Stone like show bits? No. Oh, what's the point? So Kumail is in this, and there is they go back to Will Arnett's high school, to go and track down someone who's killed the... Kamel... I can't remember how to say his last name. Nanjani. Nanjani. Kamel Nanjani is in this. Oh, you're trying uh, to avoid saying his... Yeah, I am. Do you want to sound because racist? I didn't want to know, because I didn't want to say it wrong. Do you want to butcher it? I didn't want to say it... Yeah, I didn't want to butcher it. That's, that's... Is he still ripped? Yeah. Uh, but in this in, in this episode, he's like, he's like, I need you to look cool. And it's like, you know how you look cool? And they're like practicing Kamel doing a walk. And he goes, act like your arms are attached to rubber bands on the floor. And they're stretching and pulling your arms up. And he's going really low with it. He's like, tip your head to one side. And he's walking over. And he's like, yeah, that's a real cool walk. That's a cool walk. And then they go, the next scene, they have to go and talk to someone else. And he goes, he goes I need you to make me look good. Do a real stupid walk like that. And he sort of hunches over like, like someone with leprosy from the medieval times. He goes, I need you to do a bad walk. Like, just the worst walk you need to do. Why are you making fun of lepers? No, no, no. This is what they do. And Poor lepers. You need to make you look super uncool and also I need you to make an uncool noise it's in the next scene it's Will Arnett walking up normally and suddenly Kamel is like hunched over down close to the ground like walking like Quasimodo from the Hunchback of Notre Dame and going ah! Ah! and Will Arnett has in the 
this scene, because they, I guess they only do one take, is covering his face, trying to hide the fact he's pissing himself laughing as they walk down this corridor towards this woman. And then she turns around and she goes, yes, like that. And Will Arnett goes, we're here about the murder. There are so many episodes where Will Arnett loses his shit. There's one where him and Conan O'Brien are in a restaurant asking the waitress about this murdered murdered chef. And as Conan O'Brien is answering questions, Will O'Neill is pouring real hot sauce on his food and telling him to take a bite. And Conan O'Brien's taking a bite and then visibly sweating and being like, that is... He is ginger, so he's got no tolerance he's, for he's like, spicy he's, food. Maybe he just needs a little bit of milk for like, spicy food. Every time he goes, that's not a prop, that's real hot sauce. He goes, yep, you get as much as you... And he's literally just pouring it on the food. Obviously, Conan O'Brien's got an incredibly small penis. Yeah. yeah. I, Famously got a massive chode. <laughs> and then he has to explain to a little girl what death is. Because <laughs> in the script, she's like, what happened to that man? He goes, well, that, man, that man's dead. Because, <laughs> because he's passed on to the, to the beautiful to the beautiful beyond. She goes, is that what happens when you die? And he bends over and he's like, he's like yes, little girl. You, it's, a, it's like a peaceful rest. <laughs> she goes, I don't want to die. He runs up and he's like, job here is done. <laughs> and he just walks up. <laughs> some of it's so fucking funny and it is like it, it makes you laugh even more when Will Arnett is, is visibly breaking inside he's like trying not to laugh in, on screen mm. that's great uh, but yeah but both of the uh, Tom Atkins I enjoyed them both a lot um, like I said all of us are all of us are dead if you've seen one Korean sort of teen drama there's a lot of that in there but the violence and everything else there's a fucking awesome police character who's whose daughter's one of the people in the school and he is just his story is fucking incredible for each episode. Like, he just ends up being like, um, he just ends up being like a survivalist. Like, he starts out like, he's like, okay, I'm a responder, so what we'll do is, like, and he has to get these diplomats out of a building. He gets taken to his rescue cab, like, midway through the series. And they're like, we're not letting anyone leave, because you're all under quarantine. And they're all under quarantine, because one of the kids they took in is one of those ramblers. They're like a half human, half zombie. Yeah. And he's like, I've got an idea. Let's knock out some of the security guards, steal their kit, and then we'll run over, we'll, we'll get out of here and we'll go and we'll find my daughter. And this, this friend's like, yeah, let's do that. And then like, later on in that episode, you see him running towards a cliff. That you, you have no idea where this cliff is in relation to anything else, but he's running towards this cliff, dressed in full security guard, gets shot on the side. And you're like, oh, well, he's dead. He jumped over the cliff. Then the next episode, he's patching himself up in a shop. And then he's like, I need to find a gun shop. And he finds a gun shop, gets a shotgun. And then the next episode, he's like, there's this guy who's like, help me, help me, my family's trapped in this car. And it's like, why don't you drive off? And he goes, give me the gun. He's like, he's like, fine, fucking take it. And he's just running. And it's just like, I just, I can watch a film of him just trying to survive shit. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, Murderville and uh, All of Us Are Dead. Tom Atkins, they're fucking incredible. It's my Netflix roundup. No, no more of this Netflix roundup bullshit. You're trying to cram extra reviews in. Because you love the smell of your own farts. Both Tom Atkins. You can't both be Tom Atkins. They're really fucking good. Tom Atkins. There's only one Tom Atkins. They're both. They received a score him. of Tom Atkins. You did. You did. I met him. You did. I'm a little bit jealous. He hugged me. Did he? No. But oh. I mean, that would have been nice, wouldn't I th- it? I think he probably wanted to. Oh. Because you told him about my hedgehog. Well, I just he thought that guy looks pretty cool. <laughs> 
male friendships are formed. It's like you go to a place. That's just what I think people think of when they see me. That guy looks like he smells like a wood shop. <laughs> they see me and they go, hey, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Do you, I imagine that. Probably like, really good at dealing with spicy food. <laughs> do you, uh, do, and then, like, and then it cuts that scene from Smiling Friends where they're getting shrimp. A new outfit. Because you look like going to shoot up Colin Vine because he's wearing a leather jacket. Mm. <laughs> a smiley face watchman pin. <laughs> this is not my champagne. Mmm, <laughs> cooked shrimp. <laughs> you just let that guy bite, take a bite out of you. The guy bites him and goes... Yeah. On his fingers like Homer Simpson. <laughs> I don't like conflict. Mm. All right, your review, Anne. Uh, I played The Artful Escape. What is The Artful Escape? Um, It's sort of one of those um, interact... It's hard to describe these sort of games, isn't it? You know, it's one where it's mostly led by story, minimal gameplay, just really basic stuff. But you play a kid, he's meant to be going up on stage to play his first live music show. He's a folk singer. His uncle was a legendary folk singer in this town. Um, And he's, like, terrified of the idea because folk music's not really in his heart. He wants to play, you know, wailing sci-fi rock, you know, craziness. Mm. That's that's what's in his heart. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's got to live up to his uncle's reputation as one of the greatest folk singers of all time. Um, and in the process, in the first, at the start of the game, we start off where you're sitting on a bench and you just hold X to strum a folk ballad. Yeah. He's not getting into it. And then he goes to the edge of the cliff and you hold X to rock out a sci-fi rock opera. Um <laughs> It's pretty amazing. And then he's dreaming of having a great adventure. Some, he wants some new character. He wants to be him, to be something else. Mm. And then in the middle of the night, an alien turns up and he gets given this special magic, it's a special guitar, like a like a neon guitar. He plays it through town and all the town lights up everywhere he goes and all this. And you get taken up in a spaceship with a musician who's like some legendary intergalactic super musician who's played music for, like, this, the Glomagon. The Space Queen. You played music for a beast called the Glomagon, and if you don't um, impress the Glomagon, then you get eaten. And along with whoever spaceship brought you there, that gets eaten as well. Okay. Um, and the whole game revolves around you being, like, his warm-up act. So you're, like, opening the show for You're him. a supporting act. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're new to this. You haven't got a character yet. Oh, right, yeah. You've just got your first space suit. It's like a blue jumpsuit with lights on it. And you go out and you start playing and everyone loves you. And you have to, you run through, basically every level is you're running through a level. There's no enemies or anything. You just hold X to rock out Mm -hmm. as you're playing. So you play music. You don't have to play music as you go, but you're being an idiot if you don't. Because the backgrounds, the background reacts to your music and things come to life and flowers bloom and like aliens start moving around and all this. Yeah. Um, And there's like little story bits where you go talk to people. And And she's watching wrestling. There's, um, but most of the time you're just holding X just to run through a level and jumping around bouncing off mushrooms or something yeah. get psychedelic levels where stuff goes a bit crazy okay cool um, and it every sounds- now and again you have like a boss battle where you use the X the whatever the top buttons are on the Xbox the top three. Oh, the bumpers yeah we use two bumpers and yeah. the top three buttons it's like five it's a little bit whenever you see it in the game it's usually represented as like three eyes on an alien creature and two oh, cool. eyebrows or something yeah. and they light up in order and you have to tap those buttons oh like Simon Says yeah but it's not like Simon Says because it tells you to play after them but you can basically play at the same time so you have the effect of being able to choose exactly how the music feels yeah so you can just let them play and let them go and then you play like that or you can just play at the same time as them as soon as it lights up Mm. so you're both rocking out together 
and you have that that works way better because you get a big chord first. No, there's no scores, nothing. Just sounds better. Whatever you feel sounds better musically. Oh, cool! So you'll be hitting chords, and like sometimes you have to open gates by playing some really big power chords, and it'll be like dan 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 like that. Um, But everyone, every stage is like they've taken an idea from some prog rock album cover in the seventies and turned it into a whole world. Yeah, and you're traveling through an interconnectional voice. The crazy thing is, this game has voice acting from friggin' Lena Headey, Carl Weathers, and Mark Strong. Fucking hell. Yeah, like just this random indie music game. And they all play like, like Carl Strong plays the um, musician guy, I can't remember his freaking surname, something, I think it's Dominic Johnson. Um, his real name's Mark, um, but he doesn't get called that. Mm. Um, but as you go along through the game, like you, you end up going to like a fashion person who lets you pick out a new costume and stuff. So you give yourself a new costume. You have to come up with a name for yourself. Yeah. I call my guy Cygnus X1, which is a, a nice deep cut for you prog rock fans out there. And whenever he says his name, he just gets guitar whale. <laughs> you choose, I was the ephemeral Cygnus X1. And you have to come up with your backstory as the game goes along. There's moments where you get interviewed on TV and you basically have to come up with bullshit that's your, you know, Ziggy Stardust origin story. Yeah. And it becomes like sort of the truth. It becomes your persona on stage. Yeah. Um, it leads up to this amazing final boss battle where the, bo- where the boss battle is you're trying to impress the Glamagon mm. and you're like playing a concert that's beamed out across the intergalactic, you know, across the entire universe mm. and the stage is coming up with the sides and you're running up to different parts of the stage to play your solo. Yeah. Then sliding down one part of it to go up to the other side to play another solo um, to impress them. It's really like just a cool, flashy thing and it's all like 2D, clever 2D animation work. Um it's all done sort of like that sort of, you know, that that sort of 3D, that 2D animated rigging, like what they do with Rayman Origins and Legends. I was going to say it sounds like those. Yeah, where it's all like, you know, the characters are made up of separate parts and they're warped and moved around and stuff. But, um, it's got a little bit of Bill and Ted to it. Just like the that papercraft yeah. style stuff. Yeah, but it looks, it doesn't look, it's made to look 3D. It's just, yeah. it's two dimensional. But um, yeah, you got to go back. There's loads of running gags for it about this skiffle band in your town and how they keep going on about how Led Zeppelin played skiffle and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, and they think they're the best. Um, but no, it's just a really nice thing. And because if, you, if you're into your prog rock, it's just fantastic. There's yeah. one stage where you're running through it. You've you've gone to this planet. You're supposed to be playing your startup gig there. Yeah. And you're running through it and it's all like desolate and there's nothing there and all this sort of stuff. And it's been wiped out at some point. You see the history of the planet. It's like one of those sci-fi things where it's like, oh, they, you know, lived hedonistically and they end up tearing themselves down and all this sort of stuff. And then you go see, you go to this other venue, which they've got a turtle that can transport you through space. Mm. You need that to get back to the lung, which is a spaceship you fly around in because it's sci-fi craziness. Yeah. Um, but this place is like a totalitarian world that's obsessed with fashion. And so they all have to have a certain type of fashion. Mm. And you go in and you play a chord and they say, oh, what's, what colour would you say that chord is? And it's, oh, it's the wrong colour. They try to kick you out. And then you have to just say, fuck it, and you just run through the entire city just playing the music while they're like trying to send chips out to shoot you down and all the people start to go, hey, this is really frigging cool. Because <laughs> you're like basically sowing the seeds of rebellion in this town and you end up like having a boss battle while you're riding on the back of a turtle flying through the desert and there's the bad guy's on a blimp shoot like doing rock chords at you it's freaking amazing oh and also the guy who created the game is called Johnny Galvatron <laughs> um, which is <laughs> but yeah it's fantastic just big psychedelic silliness it's not particularly long it's like four or five hours long yeah which is the perfect length of game as far as I'm concerned yeah I finished this and I finished the gunk in like two weeks like 
You know, that's, I finished two games in January. And that's not. I still haven't finished the gunk. I've got I've got it on my list. So I'm trying to do the thing where I I try and work my way through my backlog. Just play through it. It's like four hours long. I know. I know. <laughs> Which is how long games should be, please. I need to just sit down and finish it, because I'm also, Call of Duty Vanguard's not that long, and I'm, I'm only a couple of levels away from the end of that as well. Yeah. Um, no, The Artful Escape's fantastic. It's on Game Pass. I played it on PC. Cool. Um, yeah. It's got, it's got big psychedelic rock riffs. It sounds really and good. weird aliens. It sounds it sounds really good. Um, it sounds like something I might have to All you do is you hold X and run to the right. That's all you do. Practically. And every now and again, you tap out some tunes. Yeah. There's parts where you can just like um, play whatever you want as you're running through, and you have to just like, like you're encouraged to play a tune. You're encouraged yeah. to come up with something, but um, yeah, you become a rock god. That's cool. It's uh, yeah. I made my guy use like a goth punk thing going on. There's <laughs> like a mohawk and wraparound shades and stuff. It's the way to go. Stuff, it's the way you you got to look futuristic, cool. Yeah. That's so cool. It's- Give it a play because it's a video game and it's on Game Pass. So oh yeah, it's on Game Pass. So just fucking jump on it. I yeah. understand why people don't play stuff that's on Game Pass. We're playing Death's Door as well, but I need to play more. I of that. love Death's Door. Yeah, it's really good. It was probably one of my favorite games last year. Hmm. I did I say it was my favorite game? No, it was Resident Evil Village, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a shame that it came out the same year. But yeah, that's that's like the perfect... on the witch's place. That's early on. Like oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's the first one, isn't it? Well, the second. It's the second. It's one. after you've done the whole. Like you, you do a garden bit, don't you? I'm actually in the car, in the witch's mansion. Oh right, right. Sorry, yeah. you have to do the whole garden thing to get in yeah. there and all that. But she's yeah. in a big pot. Oh, I saw her. She was tall. She said some stuff and then disappeared. Yeah, but Death Store's great. It is. It's a beautiful looking game as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Is it my last review? Yeah, thank God. Jeez. Finally, I can rest. Um. I watched another movie, Ant. Did you? Yeah, I haven't reviewed any video games this year, this week. You f- fudge. I haven't finished any video games. Do you games. not play Pokemon? Which one? The new one. Ar- Arceus? Yeah. No. Because oh. I'm still doing Shin Megami Tensei, and I'm still playing Majora's Mask. I'm playing Majora's Mask so that I can play... Oh, no, sorry, I'm playing uh, Ocarina of Time, and I can play Majora's Mask because that's getting released this month. So once I've once I've done... Is it? Mm. This sure? month is going to be coming up. I don't believe it. <laughs> So, uh, so I watched a film. I watched a film called Nightmare Alley, which is the new Guillermo uh, del Toro joint, starring Bradley Cooper. Joint. Cooper. Guillermo uh, del Toro joint. Yeah, it's Guillermo del Toro joint. Um, it's the story. Spike Lee. It's, it's a corny. <laughs> it's the story. Do you know who funded a Spike Lee movie? You actually put money into making a Spike Lee movie. Did I? No, do you know who did? You did? Yeah, I did. Who the black-blooded Jesus? Yeah, my name is on the credits is it? of a Spike Lee movie. That's pretty cool. Yeah. A Spike Lee joint. Yeah, they're not called movies. Yeah, they are joints. Um, too bad it wasn't The Five Bloods, because I really liked the... the yeah, no one liked... Um, no, they didn't. Dracos, so it's all right. It's fine. It's all right. It's just a weird film. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Nightmare Alley. Uh, Bradley Cooper plays a carnival worker who, um, under the tutelage of ter- uh, Tony Collette and Jason Stephan not Stephen, Stephen, uh, learns the tricks of mentalism, uh, which is the very simple, like, cold reading of a room to get um, get indications of who people are. Oh, it's not like the mentalist. No, not like the mentalist. So they cold read the room, they sort of work out who people are, and they sort of manipulate them. A lot like they do on TV nowadays with those, like, ghost programs. They're like, oh, I'm thinking of a name. I'm thinking of a name. Is there a David? Is anyone thinking of a David? And they're like, oh, my grandfather's name is David. Uh, David's saying, don't worry about the money. Oh, I have 
I'm worried about money. Oh, that's so good. I don't have to worry about money. He also says, your mother's up here with him. And she's like, oh, my mother's right next to me. He goes, no, your real mother. <gasps> Shock. Like, those terrible problems. So please take the cheese out of yeah. the fridge. It's going a bit stale. Um, <laughs> but, but, also, have you paid your council tax bill yet? It seems like you're a little bit late. For, what is Dave going on about? Um, please, for the love of God, turn off motion smoothing on your fucking TV. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, Tony Collette and Jason Stephen, um, they, Stephen, sorry, they teach Bradley Cooper the tricks of mentalism. They say, specifically, you do not invoke the names of the dead. You don't, uh, you don't manipulate people with that. Instead, you just... You cold read for information in the room and then you just prove that you sort of have the idea of what's going on in the room. And Bradley Cooper agrees, but then um, accidentally... Well, sorry, uh, causes causes something to happen that causes um, Jason Straffan to sadly die. And as Bradley Cooper is leaving, because he's running away with Rudy Mara to avoid being convicted of anything, avoid being in trouble for what they what looks like murder, he... Uh, he steals the book of like all the mentalist secrets, all the stuff that they've learned in Paris and the other carnivals and everything else they've done around. So it the world. is about like the mentalists, kind of a um, TV series, kind of. But Bradley Cooper steals it with the intention of using it to create his own stage show, mm. and so he does that and he manipulates like rooms full of people. And it cuts to years later, and he's doing those tricks and he's he's doing this in in, in villages um, all over the place. And he has like he's reached the point where he's got a residency, so he has a place where he's doing it on a permanent basis for people as a show. Um, enter Kate Blanchett, who has taken an interest in Bradley Cooper and found out that she can't disprove that he has these psychic abilities. He's able to read people so well that she's unable to, to disprove him. He's been training himself for all these years. Um, and yet, and, and from there, there's sort of a murder mystery aspect. Um, it, you know, it all spirals. Things are found out. Affairs are had. Chaos ensues. Um, there is. Wait, if I become a mentalist, can I have an affair with Kate Blanchett? Yeah. Um, fuck yeah so beginning of the film is really interesting because when Bradley Cooper's working in the carnival he's fairly unassuming he doesn't really seem to have a massive really? because he's Bradley Cooper I'd notice Bradley Cooper anywhere yeah he's very even if guy. he was a fucking nobody I'd look at that guy and go that's a Bradley Cooper there's a lot of really interesting interactions and Smells there is in particular like a scene that is almost a horror movie scene in which the geek gets out from the carnival so the geek it, it, in like in foxy terms you're thinking like a geek is just someone who is willing to bite the head off of a chicken for a uh, stage show. Uh, because, that's all geek. Yeah. But in Galero del Toro's world, a geek is a broken human being that has uh, been essentially coerced using... Because this is all set just after the war or just during the war or to the prelude of the war. And everyone in this is broken by... There's obviously been financial ruin. The country's not in the best state. This is America. Um, and and people are driven to alcoholism and other things. There are other drugs coming in that they're all still taking because, you know, that happens. And I mean, there's an opioid crisis in America yeah. and there's prohibition. So everyone was like, well, if I'm going to get my drugs and alcohol illegally. Uh, yeah. um, but Willem Dafoe explains to him how you create a geek because the geek gets How injured. many people are in this? Quite a few. Fucking hell. There's a really big cast. Yeah. But Bradley Cooper is told by Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe says to him... Because Bradley Cooper does ask, he says, he says, how do you find a geek? And he goes, I'm going to explain something to you. A geek isn't found. Not like you find a performer. A geek is made. And the way that they do it is that he said that the, the most recent one, you can always find an alcoholic homeless person. You take the alcoholic homeless person. You oh, you're talking like a cricket situation. Yeah. You take the alcoholic homeless person and you, you give them a drink. And you say to them, I've got a job. It's only temporary. And as they take that first drink, 
you pour them another. And this time, you put a little bit of opium in the in the drink. So a little bit more open to ideas. And they drink it. Now you give them another one. A little bit more. And then on the fourth one, instead of giving them a drink, you hand them a chicken. And you say, I've got a roll for you. It's temporary. You'll be out of it. And on to better things. But it'll put money in your pocket. And it'll mean that you're making money. No. And, like... You hear this, and and Bradley Cooper's looking and goes, "Guess that's f- those poor fucking." I mean, visual- they probably won't hear it because she talks so quietly. Oh, and barely sorry, comes sorry. out in the mic. But they say, like, Willem Dafoe <laughs> explains it to him, and he says, "Those poor fucking people, mm. like those poor broken souls that you find, and this happens to." And he says, "It's the nature of show business. It's the nature of what we do. Mm. All of this is exploiting people in different flavors." Like, oh, it's a commentary. Yeah. So um, Bradley Cooper hears that, and there's a lot of. That interaction is very, very clearly them showing you that something is going to happen. We're going to see that interaction again. And then throughout the film, like, sort of, there are hints at that potentially happening. But the whole film, Bradley Cooper says, I don't drink. And the reason he he doesn't drink is he has, like, an eating disorder because his dad was abusive and drank. So he never drinks. But, like, there, there are moments where you see cracks forming in his resolve. And he's never like, he never feels like an out and out bad person. He just seems manipulative of people with money. Doesn't seem like he wants to murder people. Doesn't seem like he wants oh, to. Oh no, hurt he should people. manipulate people who have money. But he is. He seems manipulative of people with money. And like that's the whole crux of the last few acts. Well, that'd be a hero to me. <laughs> if you see find someone with money, manipulate him. But this film, I don't want to give anything away. This film is beautiful. It's incredible looking. The cast is fucking spectacular. It seems like a thematic sequel to Pan's Labyrinth like kind of there's no so so to be clear this is uh, this film I was expecting Guillermo del Toro it's called Nightmare Alley I was expecting some sort of horror there's no supernatural elements to this at all there's no monsters there's no mystery why a bunch of people don't like it yeah there's no monsters there's no mystery but it is beautifully shot incredibly written Mm. Guillermo del Toro he does struggle with the he does struggle with the dramatic without having like without having the spectacle, without having the mysticism, which is why that Willem Dafoe conversation at the beginning sticks out so much. Because normally that foreshadowing, you'd be it would be hidden by layers of other shit that's happening around them, or it'd be, it'd be a story about, like, some prince travelling through the woods or some shit like that. Like, it'd be hidden. But, like, there's really... There's no subtext in this film. It's all text. It's all happening. You're seeing it. You're hearing those conversations. Even when conversations are happening that completely change the past of characters you're watching in the film... They are just having those conversations. There's no, well, maybe, you know, it, it is all just like, this is what's happening. This is what we're going to do. And it's, it, you know, there is not an issue with that whatsoever because it fits this film and this story so well. And it is harrowing to watch. It starts out, you are obsessed with seeing this world and finding out about how these carnies work and what they're doing and what's going on. Then you get to the bit where you see him and Kate Blanchett coming together to come up with a scheme. And then you see it unravel. And it is just beautiful all the way through it's beautifully shot it's beautifully directed it's beautifully acted everyone in this is fucking spectacular and does you know, Doug Jones play a weird person I don't it? think Doug Jones is in it what the fuck I don't think he's in it at all where's Doug Jones um, Ron Perlman's in it oh sweet yeah. um, Ron Perlman's in it Tony Collette's in it I said Jason yeah. Straffan's in it it's uh, got Willem Dafoe Kate Blanchett Rooney Mari um, Mara Rooney Mara sorry you're right yeah um, who else is in it um, oh, who's the old dude from Shave of Water? He's also in Bone Tomahawk. 
Kurt Russell. No, not Kurt Russell. The other old dude. The one who plays the dad and stepbrothers as well. I can't remember his fucking name. Oh, well, Bill and Ted's dad. No, it's not Bill and Ted's dad. He looks like him, though. Yeah, it's Bill, Bill and no, Ted's dad. No, it's not. It's not the same actor. It is. It's bald man. No, it's not the same actor. It's Bill and Ted's dad. It's not. Because that goes in... Uh, that goes in that... Uh, what's that fucking film? Um... The guy that you're thinking of is is in that game. Uh, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. Richard Je- oh, Mary Steenburgen's in it. She has a cameo. Wow. Well, cameo. She's she's a fairly significant character in it, but she's she's only in a few scenes. Um, Tim Blake Nelson's in it. Clifton Collins Jr. Bit they cross across the Greatest Showman. Yeah. Going on at the same time. Yeah. This is the Greatest Showman. Well, those guys up to don't go near them. They're fucking weirdos. <laughs> um, but yeah, really incredible film. I think this is the kind of film that you'll really love because it is, it is a cinematic masterpiece. And if it doesn't get, if it doesn't get an Oscar for like sets and costuming, or at the very least, if you don't get like a, if you don't get a best supporting actress for Kate Blanchett, something's wrong because they're so fucking good. Everything is so good, but she is a standout. But Malignant's winning them all. Next. Richard Jenkins as well actually is really fucking good. Richard Jenkins plays the kind of character that that. Guillermo del Toro is fucking incredible at writing and that's someone who who throughout the film has a story that is only hinted at and it's hinted at through actions and their mannerisms rather than hinted at with their direct language and with their words so when you start seeing that appear you're like oh yeah no this feels natural for that fucking horrible human being but yeah can't recommend it enough if oh, anyone gets Guillermo a chance to see Toro likes monsters he does um, it's it's odd for him to handle human monsters. Sometimes the real monsters are the humans. It's it's odd for him to handle it so well and in English when Pan's Labyrinth was obviously it was Spanish, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Spanish. And like in that, you've obviously got the Nazis who it's come not Nazis, aren't they? No, it's Spanish Civil War. Is it the Spanish Civil War for the Nazis? Yeah. No. Oh, Spanish Civil they had War. Such nice outfits. Yeah, well, the Spanish people are very fashionable. <laughs> it was probably made by Gucci. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's Italians. Uh, yeah. Aldo Gucci. Um, set at the end of the Spanish Civil War. Jesus oh, Christ. I didn't realise it was the end of Spanish. It's been so long since I've watched Pants. The lack of historical knowledge. But yeah, um, but yeah, Nightmare Alley. It's probably my film of the year, and you know, I'm sad that I didn't get to see it last year because I think that that's when it came out in the US. It's Nazis in Hellboy. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Rasputin. Rasputin. Ra ra Rasputin. Lover of the Russian Queen. Um. Kingsman's out on the, the 14th. Yeah, it's out on the 14th of February here in on Disney Plus. Yeah, it's not in cinema. It came out in cinema. And no one saw it. Well, no one could because it came out during the pandemic, and then they tried to re-release it, didn't they? Did they? Yeah, I think so. Because it came out last year, didn't it? October. I thought it came. Yeah, only a few weeks ago. Did it come out? I thought it came out. Yeah, it's only a couple well. of months ago. Like, yeah, I know, but like no one was seeing films in October. Yeah, but no one was seeing it because it was fucking Kingsman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> the Kingsman. Those films don't cost a lot to make. They fucking like they're like low budget for big Hollywood films. Lower yeah, than then you had Samantha Mathis. Mathis in the first one, not Samantha Mathis. Samantha Janus. She was only in the first one, so why would I watch any of the sequels? Who did she play? She was um, what's his name's mum? Oh yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah, from Game On, fucking classic show. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, Nightmare Alley. It's a Tom Atkins. I'm, yeah. I'm giving out a couple of Tom Atkins this week. I don't care. Nightmare Alley is spectacular. You know, you're going to lessen the importance of a Tom Atkins. All right, when you when you there's know. something worse than that that I watch, I will review it thusly, as I have done twice this podcast. It's like when the wrestlers just keep doing chair shots to the head. Eventually, it means nothing. Well, it means something to the person getting the chair shot to the head. It, not for long. 
<laughs> they'll Chris Benoit their family eventually. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, really fucking stunning. It's honestly, it's it, it deserves an Oscar for so many things, but I just don't think it's going to get that recognition this year. It'll go to something shit like The Last Jewel or fucking House of Gucci. If House of Gucci wins best costumes I because think, they're wearing fucking Gucci. I think people Gucci. are underestimating how much Dune's probably going to clean oh, up. Oh, Dune is stuff. good, though. Dune is mm. really fucking good. But it's a big epic, isn't it? I think the problem with Dune is... You've watched Dune now, haven't you? No. no. Still can't be asked. The problem with Dune <laughs> is that like a lot of Obviously it, malignant. The problem with Dune is that a lot of it is like... It is very well acted, but there's a lot of nothing in special There's a chance with Dune they might do what they did with Lord of the Rings and not really give out any of the proper awards yeah, do until, the, and stuff like that. until the tr- all the films are done. Well, you couldn't really nominate anyone for Best Actor in Dune because no one's really like... Dune. Dune. I mean, like, you've got people that are really good in it, but they aren't... They wouldn't really... Like, Timothy Chalamet doesn't deserve an Oscar for that. Doesn't deserve an Oscar anyway. No. Feeling weird. I don't know, I don't know why like, everyone's obsessed with it. Bene- uh, I could beat him up with one arm tied behind my back. Um, what's his name? Um, the guy from from fucking Sicario. Ben- Benicio Del Toro. Benicio Del Toro. He deserves an Oscar for uh, The French Dispatch. He's fucking incredible in that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, Nightmare Alley. Cannot recommend it enough. How many Oscars is um, Ashen's Quest for the Game Child going to... None. None. Actually, I came in like, over a year ago, didn't it? Yeah, I haven't watched The it. Odd Pod movie is apparently out, but I don't know how I'm watching it. The Odd Pod movie? Yeah, my buddy, he does, he does videos on YouTube reviewing retro stuff. He did a whole year's worth of storylines and they cut it together into a movie. It's quite funny. Odd Pod the movie, kind of. Yeah, it's just basically all his videos strung together. But he shot it all in 4K and everything. It took a lot of effort over the years. One sec. Uh, available now. It's supposed to be on Amazon Prime, but he hasn't got it on there for some reason, so I don't know what's going on there. Uh, yeah. I need to nudge him. Dan, sort it out. Does he listen to this? No. no. He's too busy working in the cinema. He works in the cinema? Yeah, but he made a movie. He's basically made a movie. He works in the cinema? Yeah, he spent a year doing a storyline on YouTube. And, and then he made a movie? Yeah. Produced by Samuel Victor, who was one of the unnamed rebel pilots in Star Wars Rogue One. Oh, cool. Yeah, there you go. This is this is tight. He's made movies with Danny Dyer, the dad, not the younger one, not the because you know his daughter's called Danny Dyer. Yeah, it's really awkward, really. I tell you, what, I actually really like a Danny Dyer film called Doghouse. Dog <coughs> shit, more like. It's directed by the guy who did Evil Aliens. He's leaving EastEnders, isn't he? Yeah, he is going off East- to do something else. EastEnders is doomed. Uh, to be fair, he is pretty good though. I like Danny Dyer for most part. He's very affable, isn't he? I was watching him on a quiz show the other week. Yeah. And he was terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's bad at quizzes. He does, he, he does like, count he down. Doesn't, it's not that he doesn't know stuff. It's that he doesn't give a shit about the sort yeah. of things they're going to ask him about. He does, like, 8 out of 10 cats. They'll ask him general like, knowledge questions. I don't fucking know about yeah. that. I liked it when he went on breakfast TV and he goes, he goes, well, Boris Johnson's a twat, isn't he? And they're like, they're like what do you mean? It's like, what? Well, he can't do anything. He, he, what's he done? He's done nothing. He can't do anything. And then, like... <laughs> a, a few years before they invited him on the same show and he was like oh David Cameron's a twat isn't he no it's like a few seconds and the silence and he goes twat because <laughs> <laughs> it's the David Cameron's one the one where he goes he goes he comes here he does Brexit he doesn't give us any idea of how that's going to actually happen and then he and he sods off he like quits even though he said he's going to stick around twat <laughs> <laughs> you old Danny Dyer yeah uh no one would under- like outside of the UK. No one understands the appeal. I don't think. Although he did that film Severance, that wasn't bad. I think that was internationally did all right. No, his films get released in America. I know mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, just He's done, he has done some all right films. Yeah, like he so, did Mean Machine with Vinnie Vinnie Jones. That was mm-hmm. a good film. Jason Statham. What's the um? 
the one from years ago. One, the one he broke through on was like a oh, football factory. Nah, not football factory. Not layer cake. One of those sort of films. Oh, twenty four hour pie people. Maybe. Yeah, because he's on. Oh uh, no, it's no, it's not that. It's um. I can't remember. But There's he's on the phone, his. isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's come on. I love it a little bit. <laughs> he's talking about speed, isn't he? Mm. It might be twenty four hour pie people. I can't remember. Yeah. But no, he's been good in a lot of stuff. Surprisingly. All right, your last review, Ant. Fuck you. Um. Encanto. Canto. I watched Encanto. Nobody talks about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. It's not the best song in the film. No, it's not. <laughs> the opening song, whatever that's called, I can't remember. Impression. What's the animal one? The animal song's pretty sweet. The animal one. The one where the kid gets his powers where he can do I like the one where it's about pressure. It's a film about a family of slightly fashy magical people who like have a town where everyone has to live in fear of them I guess or something. I don't know if it's in fear of them but they one of the really girls live in fear. they all help the people in yeah the but one of, the, one of them can hear everything and knows everything that's going on in the town it's a bit big brothery but it's a bit fashy. we just pretend it doesn't matter we don't talk about <laughs> don't Bruno don't think about it too much do not talk but about it's about Bruno. Mirabelle who hasn't got any magical powers everyone else in the family does and there's a prophecy thing the brother disappeared years ago conveniently still not really he didn't really go far but he's um, played by character actor Jean Leguizamo. Um, and yeah, you think that the fam- house is losing its magic mm-hmm. and it might be because of her, because she hasn't got any magic. Or does she? And you find out what is really her special power. I mean, her power is her ability to bring her family together when it's needed and to get... Love. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a nice film. It's decent. It's like freaking beautiful animation. and mm-hmm. It's like some of the best 3D animation that's been done before like the fabric especially is friggin ridiculous like if a nerd like me watches like looks at details in CG um, some of their cloth sims in this is ridiculous I fucking I come a long get, way since Shrek couldn't get over the, the breaking detail and everything you know when the house is cracking mm. and the tiny little stones and chips and stuff yeah, just yeah, fall yeah. away it all looks organic but it, it's a hell of a lot of good times this one I'm liking these I'm, I want to know why Disney keep releasing their CG animated films in the cinema and Pixar's ones go straight on to Disney Plus though that's suspicious mm. that's weird that one but um, yeah Encanto's a really good time though I just like the fun sort of character stuff you, you mean like I said you can't read it too deeply because you're going to start getting into the whole thing where they're listening out over the whole town and you know they're basically uh, the town is like in like the town doesn't exist in its... Those people don't seem to have their own means. Like, the entire town seems to exist purely to be, like, looked after by these magical family. They control the weather. They can they deal with any problems in the town, especially the sister, Louisa, who seems to do most of the work in the yeah. town. Um, yeah, they get the big bulky sister to do all the work. Um, she's the coolest one. She is. She's almost <laughs> like back. Yeah. She's not laid back, she's got a lot of pressure. Yeah, sorry. Yes, drip, drip, yes. drip. It's a freaking. Yeah. Um, but no, I like it. It's just nice. And there's a nice opening song, and as the kids are going, What is Mirabelle's power? And she's like, Fuck off. Fuck off, you cunts. I love the I love the, the idea of the little house with the doors for everyone <laughs> yeah. in the family. It keeps getting bigger. It keeps getting bigger. And then like they've like they shoot they do a panning shot at the beginning where you see the, the village building out mm. around the house. I love that, like the way it all looks and how incredible it looks. They've very much got that, um, got a little bit of that Luca feeling to it. Yeah, Luca's nice. 
Um, like Luca. Obviously, taking the taking the water, change it for a jungle. Yeah, but no, it, it's just nice Disney stuff. I like the the princesses aren't really princesses anymore. They've kind of gone an entirely different direction now. Yeah. But they're still magical. Um, I do like the fact the opening number as well. You're seeing the house help her do stuff. Yeah, and you don't get the feeling that everyone else gets that same sort of treatment. There could have been nice stuff though. Like the house could have been a bit more of a character. Like, it's definitely got some sort of personality. Yeah, and I was kind of thinking as it would go along, it'd be revealed that it's like the spirit of the. It's the family. patriarchs. Like, it's far... like everyone who dies is. Well, like... I thought it was like the spirit of the patriarch's far um, boyfriend, the one who gets husband who gets oh, yeah. he got killed. The one in the water. The sort of Spanish, well, sort of vaguely Spanish Mexican conflict revolution, resolute revolution thing that was going on. But it's nondescript because it's not set in any real place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do like that. The animation at the beginning when that happens is incredible. Yeah, but it's really, it's just just a fun, decent time. Um, I'm pretty sure no one saw it in cinema. I don't, I don't even... think it was released in cinema. It was. It was in oh, cinema. Really? Yeah, yeah, it was in cinema back in okay, November. Jesus. Yeah, two months before they put on Disney Plus, which is what Disney have been trying to do for years. People. Um, Forget that Disney were pushing a two-month cycle to, from cinema to home video years ago. Yeah, they're the special um, purple boxes, didn't they? Well, no, they did um, Alice in Wonderland caused outrage, didn't it? Because there was a um, Odeon weren't going to show it because they um, were insisting on it being released on DVD two months later so it would get out in time for oh, Christmas. Oh, God, yeah. And Odeon were like, we're not going to show it. And then Alice in Wonderland starts making like a billion dollars and Odeon like, we're going to show Alice in Wonderland. Like three weeks late. It's such a bad film. I went to see it in the cinema in London. So did I. Yeah, Leicester so, Square. I didn't go to Leicester Square, but it was so bad. I saw it in um, not View. What's the what's the cinemas? The Odeon. other cinemas, not Odeon, because it wasn't being shown. Odeon. House. No, the ones loads of people go to. They're sort of cheap. No, no, cheapo for it's a big chain cinema. Cheapo one, Cineworld. That's the one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Went to one of those. They suck. Not yeah, very good do. cinemas. Um. They're the Poundland of cinemas. They really are. Um, Poundland sell dildos now. <laughs> so, but Encanto, yeah, good, good, good vibes, good times. I don't know what the next Disney classic thing is. I say I watched Raya and the Last Dragon. That's my favourite so far. Yeah, I've not seen that. It's really fucking. It can't be good. as good as Tangled. Tangled still. No, it's better than Tangled. top tier. It's better than Tangled. It's a lot better than Tangled because Raya. I saw Last... someone claiming Michelle Pfeiffer's character, I can't remember the name of the mother in Tangled, saying, "Oh, I guess I'm the bad guy now." Was like a meta commentary. It's like. I mean, it's not like some sort of meta subtext. No. <laughs> like, she was she literally the just bad. trying to farm hair she'd, off of that girl. She'd already been established as being the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> She's using a girl to farm her youth. Mm. Um, yeah, I Encanto is good. It's it's yeah. Rare the Last Dragon is still my favorite of these because that film is fucking incredible. Mm, um, I need to watch it. Eventually. Aquafina's in it. Aquafina. Aquafina. And you Aquafina's love Aquafina is a freaking thing for your hair, isn't it? Mm, Aquafaba. I don't know, um, but yeah, that's that's probably my favorite of the most recent like Disney film things because it is just that it like turns into like a weird Mad Max style film for about fifteen minutes. Sweet, and like they have like weird vehicles and stuff that are designed around the animals she has in the beginning scenes and shit like that, and the the actual motion and stuff, the motion capture they do for all the characters, they nail the personalities behind some of the voice actors. It's really fucking This is to do what they did in the old days and just copy the animations from their previous films. Because you know like people always go on about, oh, this video game's using the same animation as its previous entry. It's yeah. like, fucking look at some Disney films. Like, you're just saving time. You're not freaking... Speaking of Zelda, look at Majora's Mask after Ocarina of Time. People rave about it, but it's mostly just fucking Ocarina of Time mashed and broken to do that game. 
Meh, I need anyway. to find a copy of Majora's Mask, not an N64. Should get it someday. I've got it for the 3DS. It's probably a bit expensive on N64 nowadays. It's very expensive. Game should be £1.50. I don't know why they don't just let you buy fucking N64 games on the Switch. <laughs> I want to just be able to buy an N64 game on the fucking Switch. Well, let them sort out the uh, emulation first. The emulation's fine now. <laughs> it's not bad at all. <laughs> it's fixed for the most part. <laughs> Like, it was dog shit when they first released it, but it is a lot better now. Yeah, but it's, I can't... I just don't have the family plan. I'm I'm in a family plan, aren't I? So I can't buy it for myself. Just go on eBay, have a look out, because people sell, like, entries into a family plan for, like, seven quid. Yeah, but I'm in one already. Yeah, no, but you just leave the one you're in, and then just join one where you get You can't from. actually leave it yourself. Yeah, you can. No, you can't. You have, to get, you have to get the person to take you out. I've done it. Because it wouldn't let me do it. You just change your region, then you're out of it. I don't want to do it. Um, okay, but anyway... I don't want to yeah. pay for it anyway... This has been Crit Apocalypse episode 179. No. Uh, I've been Matt. You've been Anne. You can find Anne at LV54 Space Monkey. I've got a wreck guy. Twitter. You can also find him at Wild World's Hat on Twitter. Uh, you can also find him on YouTube at Mellow Gaming. I mean. And Ant's Bot Collection. If you want to. Well, I'm sure I'll be talking more about Wild World's Hat. Uh, you can find me, Matt, at Crit Apocalypse. Why would, why would I be talking about Wild World's Hat? You can find me on Twitter at Crit Apocalypse. If I'm a YouTuber's Crit Apocalypse, and soon enough, you can find me right here again, doing another episode, mm-hmm. and saying, good night, you lovely people. See you in two weeks. No, am I supposed to stop the episode soon? Boris Johnson fucks kids. You do? Boris Johnson fucks kids. You done? Yeah. Boris Johnson fucks kids.